Welcome to the SureDog Radio Network preview for UFC Fight Night 233, Song vs. Gutierrez, also known as UFC Vegas 83. I'm your host, Ben Duffy of SureDog.com. With me, once again, as usual, is Keith Schillen, the executive producer of the SureDog Radio Network. Keith, how are you doing today? I'm, uh, I'm doing all right. Uh, it's, it's, I gotta be honest, man, I'm tired. It, it, it was a pretty hectic day for me. Uh, this this whole week has been really hectic. If this is your first time ever watching this show, that's not how we normally start off with me just complaining. And you uh, notice we're both wearing black. We're both still in mourning for Bobby Green because uh, as of the time we're talking right now, it's uh, less than 24 hours since uh, UFC Austin where he suffered severe head trauma at the at the hands of Kerry Hatley. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so a little more sedate here than usual, but we'll try to have our usual mix of fun and hijinks as we go along here. Yeah, I uh, I just I had this crazy weekend, uh, a lot of wrestling this weekend. Uh my my son's wrestling team, the uh Mayo Quanchi team, which is you know, in my opinion and pretty much everyone's opinion, the best team in New England. Uh we had the we had a uh, uh, the dual tournament uh you know, which the whole team wrestles Saturday. Uh and you know, we won that tournament and then as a dual team and then we had an individual tournament today which was my son's first individual tournament uh, with with this new team that he's on. Um, so, I, you know, yelling and screaming and coaching him and, and kind of losing my voice a little bit. So, But I'm very, very proud of my little guy. He won his very first tournament ever, uh, took first place. He, uh, you know, I, you know I, I brag about my kids a lot. I do. I do. But I, I, I try, I really do try to not live through my kids you know, and, and pressure my kids to do what I want them to do. And, you know, but there, there is, there's a balance because there's something to watching someone that you obviously love more than you love yourself, you know, accomplish things that they work hard for. And, and, you know, sometimes you, you want them to achieve it even more than, than you do, You, you know, like for yourself, like you, you want it more than they want for themselves, I should say. Um, he was great today, man. He was, he was great. He, he, it was only a takedown tournament. So there was no, there was no pins, but it's actually his, he's best on like, um, very different wrestling than I was. I was, I was a big on my feet guy. He's very good on the mat. Uh, but he, he, it was a takedown tournament. He outscored his opponents 60 to 10. <laughs> yeah. He dominated. He, he, he looked like a young Bo Nickel out there. <laughs> so... So I'm very proud of him. Does, does he have your like complexion and hair? Is he like fair he, and like? He looks, he, it's literally mini me. You never see a picture of my kid? No, I mean I've, I've seen your We're actual daughter. We're friends on Facebook. Yeah, right? okay, I, I can go find him on Facebook. Yeah, go on I mean, Facebook. Like my 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 uh, I, I posted about him wrestling today. No, and if you if you don't know me, don't be a creep and look at my kid on Facebook. <laughs> but then yeah, you, he yeah. looks just like me. He's like like my mini me. Okay, yeah. <laughs> okay, so so it, I mean, I'm making no accusations, but it, it could actually be a young. It could be from Nichols kid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> after after the chat was going a little crazy about uh, about yeah. my uh, my darling wife, the, the oh, most boy. innocent woman I know. You, <laughs> I did open the door. For her. Never never place anything sacred in front of MMA yeah, fans. I They're did, gonna I step did. all over. It's, it's shame on me for for <laughs> not thinking. Uh you know, obviously, I I feel you there. Because from the kid's point of view, you want them always to look back and know that, you know what, 
my dad believed in me. And in hindsight, my parents made huge sacrifices to be able to help me do whatever I wanted to do. But for them never to have had the fear, oh, I'm going to disappoint my dad if I don't do well at this. And I can tell from the way you talk about it that your kids know that you support them and believe in them. But, yeah, exactly. I like. Yeah. I just had a conversation. I mean, just had this conversation five minutes before I got on here with my son and my wife, and you know, saying, "Hey, like, we're super proud of you, but like, we don't love you because you win matches. Like, we love you no. because of who you are, yeah. you know, and and the character he has and the joy he brings us." But he's got some high standards because Adam Duffy's hosted this show, so that, well, I, I actually had know, a that, talk with. <laughs> that, that's that's as high as it gets. Yeah, I, I had a talk with Adam today. He, I've told you that the high school that he and several of his siblings graduated from in Atlanta is heavily Brazilian. Like, I, I've been to their graduations, and I'm like, literally 20% of these kids have Portuguese last names. Well, he just told me that he found out today that Douglas Lima went to his high school, graduated class That's of 06. Cool. I, I said, Diego Lima went too, but he gassed out halfway through 11th grade and didn't make it. <laughs> oh, that's just a... <laughs> Oh, oh yeah. So I mean, just uh, I mean, you know, I love wrestling. It's it's it's. Probably, I probably have a bigger passion for wrestling than I do MMA, really. Mm-hmm. And and obviously, with my kid development even more, if I get to the point where I can't balance being at my kid's stuff and this, then this I'm leaving this. Yeah. You know. So. Uh, anyways, how's your day? <laughs> my day's been pretty good. You know, just uh, watching my uh, fantasy football team plummet, kind of. S- Picking through oh. the fallout of all the college football playoffs yesterday. But it's been a pretty good day. I, I've become everything I hate of fantasy football owners. I, I'm in like five leagues. There's only one league I pay attention to, my the league I run. Mm-hmm. Did I, set, I forgot to set my lineup in like a league. And I'm like, oh shit. And I'm like battling for a playoff spot. I'm like, oh my God. I've become that guy. Oh, it wasn't our league. Like if I'd seen you had like, yeah. No, oh. one of them. One of them they went neglected, huh? Uh, yeah. That That's how excited we are to talk about UFC Vegas 83. Uh, it was a 10-fight card up until, like, literally 12 hours ago or 18 hours ago, last time Keith and I talked. There have been two more fights added uh, since then, one of which is going to be uh, pretty easy. It's just the Steve Garcia, Melchizedek Costa fight that was supposed to take place in Austin last Saturday is now taking place this Saturday in Vegas. That one was canceled. They said Garcia had an illness. That sounds to me just like kind of blown weight cut type thing. Uh, but they, they remade that one. And then Daniel Marcos, whom they've been trying to find a fight for forever, is going to fight uh, the debuting Carlos Vera on this card. So well, we've got a couple more to talk about. But this one is topped by Song versus Gutierrez. It has several Chinese fighters on it and then some yeah. Koreans and Japanese on top of it. Uh, Keith thought that this one might have been an early morning card for that reason. It was but originally. It actually, but yeah, but the, apparently they said suck it Asia and this one's just taking place at a uh, main yeah. card is around 9 or 10 p.m. Eastern time as usual. So yeah, it was originally supposed to be like like 3 a.m. or something. Yeah. And it, you know, going from from like, you know, supposed to be in like, I don't know, was it like Singapore or some some Something like that. And then I don't think it was Singapore, somewhere else. I apologize for the, my Asian uh, friends over there. Uh, and then going to Vegas, supposed to start at 3 a.m. Now it's like your normal, like 8 p.m. or something like that. This feels like a Bellator move. <laughs> you know? Not anymore. So um, 
I will not be able to do the recap because I actually made plans. It's actually my, it's actually my oldest daughter's birthday too. Okay. Uh, but we made plans because it was supposed to be a super crazy early in the morning. So I was like, oh, yeah, we could have like a little birthday party for her and everything. So I will not be doing the recap. I apologize. All right. Well, I'll, I will I will soldier on, you know, maybe I'll grab Adam or, or Dev. And you know what? If something that crazy happens on this card, you're welcome to call in. But what I was going to lead in with is after the absolutely explosive UFC Austin, where the UFC handed out a half million dollars in bonuses, uh, almost all the finishers and then a wild fight of the night. This one, it's it doesn't promise as many fireworks, although there are some good, exciting looking fights on it. Yeah. The divisional relevance is about as low as it gets, even for a fight night card. There's nobody on this card that's within three fights of a title shot. Um, well, Anthony Smith always is at light, light heavyweight because of that division. Anthony Smith will be retired in three fights. <laughs> I think. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, that's true. Smith, as a former title challenger, as a guy that's already mid-transition to the desk. If he yeah. won his next three fights, he would get sure. a title shot. You're right. Sure. But yeah, nobody, I, the, nobody the, is the realistically. General, yeah, your general, your general point re remains. Yeah. Um, that said, there's some good talent. You know, there's some fights I'm excited about. Well, absolutely. Uh, outside of the top two fights, Song versus Gutierrez and Smith versus Roundtree, which single fight would you say you're most interested in? Okay, so I mean, I mean, Sumajari and, and Nascimento, third from the top, uh, is <laughs> kind of an easy pick. Uh, but, I, you know, going down to the prelims, which you're more looking, uh, Tyra and Hernandez, that's a really good scrap. I, I like the two newcomers, uh, Dos Santos and Alan Carr. I like that fight. Mm -hmm. And those are probably some that stick yeah. out for me. Yeah, and I, I'm definitely excited for those. I'm also... It just in my own mind, my own library, UFC roster, you know, whatever museum is going on back there. I still believe in Andre Muniz and I see him as yeah. a top guy that's just kind of slipped on. Okay. On this, at this point, he slipped on a whole bunch of bananas yeah. and he's just like on the floor and trying to get back up. But uh, if he doesn't get past Jun Young Park, then we know something about him. Yeah. I mean, it has a hell of a lot to live up to after what was probably the free card of the year uh, in Austin last week. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, there's no way this this can live up to that. I I hope it, does. it doesn't because if, if it, it does, does, like, <laughs> oh shit, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, any other general thoughts on this one or on New England youth softball or uh, yeah. wrestling before we move on? No, no, no. We're good. All right. First up at UFC Vegas 83, uh, at least as the card is constituted as of right now, it's certainly in flux, but it'll be a matchup between the undefeated Daniel Marcos and the debuting Carlos Vera. The UFC has this listed as a catchweight affair. That wouldn't be too surprising. They're both stepping up on seven days notice, but they are both habitual bantamweights. So assume that this is taking place either at 135 pounds, maybe 140. Uh, Marcos, 30-year-old Peruvian, is a perfect 15-0 as a professional mixed martial artist. He's a perfect 2-0 since joining the UFC out of the sixth season of Dana White's Contender Series. He fought most recently back in July at the uh, Aspinall versus Tybura card in London, taking a split decision over Davy Grant. 
The UFC tried to get him a fight on November 4th. Two different opponents fell through for him. He ended up just having to go home. But here he is back uh, four weeks later to take on the debuting Vera. Vera, 36-year-old Brazilian by way of Louisiana slash Texas, is 11-3 overall. He's on a four-fight win streak entirely in Fury Fighting Championship down here in Texas. Fought most recently all the way back in September of last year, choking out Isaiah Gutierrez in the first round. So uh, Vera steps in here on short notice, but long layoff. As of right now, there are no odds available. Again, this fight was announced less than eight hours before Keith and I uh, are recording this show. Safe to say that Marcos is going to come in as a prohibitive favorite here. And... I don't know, Keith, you, when I asked you about Daniel Marcos back in November, because we did preview whatever fight he, he had booked, you seemed to to fade him just a, a slight bit as, yeah, he's undefeated, but it's more of that Matt Hughes thing. If you're undefeated in this sport, you just haven't met the guy, right guy yet. You seem to be a little cool on him as a top-level prospect in, in the Bantamweight division. But, yeah. And, what, and while I agree with you to a, a certain extent i mean he's not jumping off the page like tatsuro tyra that we're going to talk about in a little while here i mean he is a good i, I think he's a guy that's going to settle in it probably is a good solid you know middle of the road bantamweight here he's not going to be undefeated forever he's going to lose no. one of his next two he's got he might lose his next fight that's not a short notice opponent the ufc had to dig up but uh you know he like is 36 <laughs> yeah he is, you know, but he is a good size, ag aggressive uh, bantamweight, good power. And he's taking on a guy in Vera that, yeah, he's 36. He hadn't fought in over a year. And even, even as I saw him come up the ladder in Fury, I didn't have him pegged as a guy that would end up in, in the UFC. I had him pegged as a guy that was going to be one of the main jiu-jitsu coaches at a gym here in Houston or over across the border in Louisiana by now. He is a good fighter. He is a strong grappler, a good topside as well as uh, as well as guard game, not terribly fast or athletic, and on the feet kind of a slugger. He kind of slugs his way into range, gets people to the ground just through muscle persistence, once he's on the ground, unless he's just having to pull guard, you know, or just lands on bottom against a, a better grappler, he, he is very capable of taking care of himself there. But before his run in Fury, he ran into the kind of opponent that's going to be poison for him, like Levi Moles, one of the better lighter weight fighters from this region that never made it to the UFC, and Moles tapped him out. Here, I mean, Vera's going to have to wade into range against Marcos to try to get him to the ground. Marcos is, a, I mean, he's he's not a fantastic striker, but he's going to have better reach. He's going to be faster. He's going to have more power. Just, I think Vera's just going to spend a round or two walking face first into a wood chipper uh, before Marcos knocks him out. I mean, give me Marcos by second round TKO here, but watch Vera to be like 0 for 7 on takedown attempts and maybe like a 10-8 first round. I think it's going to be a, a bad night for Carlos Vera. Yeah, um... Marcos, he's. I would say this. I think I'm. I, I agree with you what you said about um, him in the sense that he, 
you know, he's never going to win a title at 135. But I, I think it's more that division than, you know, he's not a prospect. Because I, I can see him cracking the top 15 one day. Um, I'm not betting on that, but I, I think he has that kind of potential. Like, I like him, I, I, I think, especially on the feet. Like, I think he's a really good striker. Um, he's, he's a pressure striker that marches down his opponents. Uh, it's not a reckless, abandoning striking approach. It's very, like, controlled uh, pressure. He's really tactical. I mean, he has this high guard defense. He's hard to hit. He's got quick hands. He keeps everything short and tight, very accurate. Uh, he sees his shots and counters well. Uh, I, I was watching one fight with him where he was throwing to spots to kind of catch his opponents when they were trying to escape instead of throwing like towards the target, which I love, which the best strikers do. That's um, the that's when you've reached the Israel Adesanya, Sean O'Malley level. Yeah, yeah. Where you want him exactly. to be. Exactly. Yeah. 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 He's. I mean, he's he's very sharp like that. Uh, he, he, I really understand striking. He, he just touches. He doesn't waste energy uh, until there's an opening. He's got some pop. Uh, he will rip the body. Uh, he, he's not much of an offensive wrestler, but to his credit, in a close fight, and and I know a lot of people thought David Graham beat him, but still, in a close fight, in close rounds, he did look for some takedowns, uh, which which is which is a good idea when when you have a close fight. And David Graham, like, even if you think he lost that fight. Okay, if if Davey Grant is your first loss in your career and you have that early, you know, early UFC loss, that's not a bad loss, <laughs> you know. But that's a crafty veteran. Uh, you know, he's a weaker defensive wrestler, uh, which is obviously the concern going against a guy like Carlos Vieira. Uh, the the thing about Carlos Vieira, besides you know, you saying you didn't think he was going to be a U- UFC talent, especially not now when he's thirty six years old. Yeah. Now he he's a southpaw. He he actually for a thirty six year old he. I shouldn't say for three. He's, he moves well for anybody. He he moves yeah. well. Uh, he's very like stick and move style, very open wide stance, very like taekwondo style. A lot of kicks uh, on the feet. He, he likes some spinning attacks, uh, body kicks. Uh, he loves that like Holly home push kick. He will look for takedowns. But you mentioned it. You you said he, he could be a jujitsu coach. He couldn't be a wrestling coach. No, because he's definitely more of a grappler than a wrestler. He, Defensively, he's a weak defensive wrestler. I mean, Brad Katona on, on the Ultimate Fighter show took him down a couple times, and to me, he's he's a good jujitsu coach. But to me, he feels like the guy who opens the gym in the strip mall, teaching, you know, guys who want to compete at the very lowest level, or or you know, people who want to drop a couple pounds. He's not. I don't see him coaching world-class athlete. Like, I don't think he's that level. Um, and when I watch him, I watch a guy that, he, yeah, he can get some submissions. I mean, he does have five submissions to his credit. So I'm like, listen, White Belt is not trying to talk shit in that sense. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> but what I didn't like is his struggle to get off the bottom against Bracatona and also no urgency to get up either. So I'm with you. I don't. I don't see Vera as a UFC talent. Uh, he hates being pressured. He wants you know work from distance. He either wants to work from distance striking or then close the distance himself. He doesn't want to be, you know, forced on his back foot. I just see Marcos. He's a very intelligent striker. I see him crowding the kicker, getting past those kicks, taking over with volume. I say he batters Vera for a majority of the fight, and um, I think he he lands something late and, and and overwhelms him with strikes. I say Marcos wins by third round TKO. Next up at UFC Fight Night 233 is the remade lightweight matchup between Steve Garcia and Melchizedek Costa. Keith and I previewed this one 
just for last week's card. I'm going to guess that nothing has really changed in Keith's mind. Uh, certainly nothing has changed in mine. So just sit tight here and we'll be back with you in just a few minutes. Garcia, the 31-year-old New Mexico native, is 14-5 and five overall. He is 3-2 and two since joining the UFC as a veteran of the third season of Dana White's Contender Series, where he won but was not immediately signed. However, since uh, being signed, he has done fairly well, and he is currently on a two-fight win streak, those being stoppage wins over Chase Hooper and Shailan. The most recent of those, the Shailan fight, was at UFC 287 in April. He will look to make it an improbable three in a row in one of the toughest divisions in the UFC at the expense of Costa. Uh, Costa, 27-year-old Brazilian, is 20-6 and six overall. He is 1-1 one and one in uh, the UFC. Having said that, his debut was on short notice, up a weight class against Tiago Moises, who, if he isn't currently a top 15 guy, at least has been one in fairly recent memory. That's a tough road to hoe. He was uh, given a chance to compete at his natural weight class and took a unanimous decision over Austin Lingo at UFC on ESPN home versus Bueno Silva in July. So both gentlemen looking to build on that momentum. Keith, your favorite is minus 235. Your underdog is plus 195. Uh, well, who are they? <laughs> yeah, I would have guessed this was going to be close to a pick em. Um That's why I'm asking. Yeah, I'm surprised by that. Jeez. Uh, Man, I mean, Costa, maybe. Well, I know he's, he's I Costa's a favorite. I, I'm, I'm going to guess, but. I totally disagree with that line. You are correct. Uh, Melchizedek Costa minus two thirty-five. Steve Garcia plus one ninety-five. Yeah, okay. disagree. Maybe Before, maybe maybe negative one thirty-five. Yeah, two thirty-five. I completely agreed there. Now, before I give a pick for this fight, I have to own up to I misjudged Steve Garcia. He has already accomplished a lot more in the UFC than I expected him to because I thought of him as one of the UFC's worst signings in that general weight range in a couple of years. I just, I remember him. Well, for one thing, I remember him losing to a very old Joe Warren and a very young Ricky Tercios on nothing Bellator undercards a million years ago. I remember him struggling against frankly low level fighters in uh uh in Jackson Wink's house promotion uh you know Fresquez Productions I when I mean he got a first round knockout on the contender series and wasn't signed immediately and I was like good that's exactly as it should be he yeah. doesn't belong in the UFC and since he's been in the UFC you know what he's been fighting against the I mean really the lowest level fighters two divisions have to offer uh, Luis Pena and Charlie Ontiveros at lightweight then Mahashate Chase Hooper and Shai Lan at uh at featherweight but he's won more than he's lost uh, I mean Garcia he's big I mean he's big for either division honestly but he's he's quite a big featherweight he's you know very tall he doesn't have quite the reach you would expect of a guy as tall as him and he doesn't fight especially long uh, he, he's perfectly happy to brawl in close uh I, I mean i'm sure he would like to snipe people w with head kicks at range if uh he could but eh, you know he i mean he ends up doing a lot of his best work in close uh, he's not much of an athlete 
and he doesn't seem terribly physically strong. I, I mean, I feel like I'm describing the poor man's Julian Arosa, and maybe I am, because uh, offensively he's super aggressive. I mean, he doesn't have the grappling chops of Arosa, but on the feet, you know, he's super aggressive, chin all the way in the air, hands nowhere near it, uh, kill or be killed. I just, I didn't think this would work on even people like Chase Hooper and Charlie Ontiveros, uh, but it's worked so far. He's getting right to the, he's getting to the territory of fighters that are really, really going to make him pay for that kind of stuff. And Costa might be that guy. Like while I'm with you and thinking that he shouldn't be a greater than two to one favorite, the one thing that I know about Melchizedek Alcosta is that he swings really hard and really often. He's going to give himself every possible chance to put his knuckles on the other guy's chin. Uh, you know, he's aggressive, physically strong. Um, I think he's actually not a bad uh, offensive wrestler. Defensive, uh, I mean, defensively, Tiago Moises made work of him on the ground, but Tiago Moises is a bigger guy and a very, very good grappler. But, you know, I thought he looked pretty good against Lingo. Here, I think Garcia cannot help but oblige Costa with exactly the kind of fight he wants. Uh, and I think Costa's probably going to end up plunking him. And if Costa doesn't end up plunking him, I think he can probably take Garcia down pretty easily. Uh, and from there, either you know, chip away, win rounds that way, maybe do some actual damage. Costa, I believe he still has zero career subs, but he doesn't like he doesn't fight on the ground like a guy who has no no idea what he's doing. Like he's he's clearly he clearly knows what he's doing there and just would greatly prefer to slug it out on the feet. I think he's gonna get what he wants, and I think he's gonna get a first round knockout here. So after saying that I completely don't think he should be a two and a half to one favorite. I do think he's going to knock out Garcia. That's just the kind of matchup this is. Give me uh, Costa by first round knockout. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wow. You, you've, <laughs> you've talked about like, it's so funny today. You've been faking me out. Like you, you talk up one way and I'm like, Oh, all right. So he's feeling the same way. Then you go like a bold prediction the other direction. So you uh, <laughs> did two, two fights already. I think we're only four fights in. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I see Costa, I'm sorry, uh, Garcia, very similar the way you see him. Uh, I, even like his pre UFC run, I remember being in, in, uh, at Mohegan Sun for a Bellator and seeing him fight Kin Moy in, in like a split decision. Uh, so that's not a good win, you know. I uh, actually, you know, Kin Moy had a decent run locally, but anyways. Garcia, he's a he's a long and lengthy fighter. Very you know, very big for the weight class. Southpaw. I like his output. Very high output. Uh, he looks really good in his last two fights. Not just winning. I mean, now he he smashed Chase Hooper and he he smashed uh, Shailen Narambekov. Oh, Bika, how do you say Narambeke or Beke or whatever? Narambeke, yeah. Beke, sorry. Um, they're not good wins, especially the way he won because he was beating them up on the feet, but. The so let me re, let me rephrase it. They're not you know like especially Chase Hooper. Chase Hooper is not known for his you know his striking, but he put on such a display. I mean he couldn't miss shots against Shaolin. He worked on a nice jab, nice straight left, um, hurt Shaolin with a body shot. He has good power. I mean he's got back to back knockout wins. 
Now, he, he can overthrow his strikes sometimes, leave them open to be countered. Uh, he can be wild. He also, I've said this before, for a guy who's tall and lengthy, he kind of ducks a little too much, um, trying to like, you know, like roll, like, uh, not roll, what am I thinking of? Um, yeah, just like Bob and Weave. Trying try to be Pernell Whitaker when he Yeah, yeah, and it's like, <laughs> no, you should be more like Lennox Lewis, <laughs> you know? Um, and he's going to get uppercut or, or, or step in need or something one of these days. Uh, but he's got he's got a good, like, long kicking game, uh, though he doesn't throw it enough. Uh, he will wrestle a little bit. I mean, he got takedowns against Luis Pena. He got a couple takedowns against Charles uh, Ontiveros. Uh, some good ground and pound. He's not a bad fight. Like, again, I, I, he went from a guy, like, I kind of think almost MMA in, like, tears. Mm-hmm. He's still a prelim guy, but to me, he went from, like, first prelim of the night to, like, mid-prelims. Like, he's, yeah. he's, he's not a, he, you know, he's not an easy out for someone, like, if there was your UC debut. Uh, Costa, uh, on the other hand, and, and I apologize for, my my Boston accent coming out here when I as when I say his name I, I know someone pointed me that <laughs> pointed that out to me last time he fought uh, he's he's a he's a southpaw with that fights out of both sta- you know he's southpaw but he will fight out of both stances flows pretty well good striker works behind a nice jab uh, he follows up with with a lot of combinations plus power nice kicks to the body from the orthodox stance. I mean, you go back to his fight against Austin Lingo. I mean, his kicks were on point in that fight. Uh, there was a lot of teep kicks, uh, destroyed Lingo, particularly with the body kicks. Uh, I like his step in knees. Uh, he will toss out some spinning attacks. You know, I'm never crazy about I mean, they're fun to watch for me. I don't, I don't think that, that effective. Uh, he can wrestle a little bit. Uh, he's a weaker defensive wrestler, but if he's on top, I like his control. Good ground and pound. He is a submission threat, though he was submitted by Tiago Moises. Uh, taking that fight really short notice, uh, but nothing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, still. I mean, I, I would like to see him. You know, make a decision. This is a really good matchup. Like, I, I'm really against the the betting lines here. I can see him going either way. I think both guys look really good recently. I am, I am going to go with a favorite. I want to go with Costa uh, because, to me, he's faced the better competition in that stint. I'm going to say that kicks might be the difference for him. The fact that he uses, you know, his punches and kicks instead of just more of a boxing game from Garcia. But I'll say, I'll say Costa wins by split decision. Next up at UFC Vegas 83, we have the highest ranked fighter on the entire card. Unfortunately, not in the weight class in which she will be competing as it is Ryan Amanda Dos Santos against Talita Alencar. Uh, Dos Santos, the woman that they'll probably be calling Rayani Amanda. 28-year-old Brazilian is 14-6 and six overall. This will be her UFC debut. She fought on Dana White's Contender Series last August, uh, dropping a unanimous decision to Denise Gomez. Uh, since then, she's gone 3-0, and including 2-0 and in Invicta Fighting Championships, including, in her last fight, winning the Invicta Atomweight title with a five-round decision over Jillian DeCourcy. She will not be defending that title as the UFC promptly scooped her up and signed her to fight in its strawweight division where she will meet fellow debutante, Alan Carr. Uh, Alan Carr, also Brazilian, 33 years old, 4-0-1 overall. She last fought on the Contender Series uh, Season 7 back in September where she had a unanimous draw with Stephanie Luciano. Uh, 
Odds on this fight do favor Dos Santos. She is minus 150. Alan Carr plus 120. I gotta say, Keith, this is, I mean, this is emblematic of a lot of the problems with the modern UFC right here. I mean, we've got a, we've got two women signed who fought on the contender series, neither of whom won. Like you remember back in 2018, there'd be five fights yeah. on the contender series and not even all the winners would get signed. Like Chris Curtis knocked some dude out in the first round and had the, the misfortune <laughs> of being on the same card as like Johnny Walker and Alonzo Menafield or something. And so like, didn't I, even get... I think it would be more exciting if it was like, Hey, 10 people fighting for one contract. Of course, and like the stakes are much one higher. Person, one person in the show gets a contract. And, so and, and that's how it was. But now all the winners and several of the losers get signed every single episode. Where's the suspense? If, if you get the call. We got a guy who lost in the first round of the Ultimate Fighter show. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, of course, the <laughs> UFC has been gutting Invicta for almost its entire existence at this point. It was, I yeah. mean, it was all the way back in 2015 when they signed – Angela Hill as a sitting champ and then uh, her probable next challenger, Alexa Grasso, within a few months of each other, killing that division. They killed Invicta's entire Bantamweight division, signing, they signed like four champs or ex-champs in a row to feed to Cyborg at 145. And it's still going on. Brianna Amanda Dos Santos, 28-year-old Brazilian, seemed to have found a new lease on life at 105. She beats Jillian DeCourcy, who was a top five atom weight, and promptly gets signed to a promotion that does not have a division for her to compete in. And then, yeah. So, Dos Santos is, of the two of them, ironically, she's the one that physically is probably better suited to fighting in the UFC 115-pound division. Like, Al Alan Carr has been a straw weight this whole time, but she is the shorter, stockier, yeah. stumpier one. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. I, I mean, she's she's built like Carlos Barza, but she does not have Carlos Barza's offensive wrestling. It was disturbing. Maybe Tabitha Ricci, or Tabitha Ricci without Tabitha Ricci's athleticism. Yeah. Like it's just she's going to have rough sledding uh, against Dos Santos, who at least has fought at one fifteen and been pretty competitive. Losing to Denise Gomez, not you know, it's not too shameful a thing. But Alan Carr. Not only did she not win on the contender series, the way that she drew the fight does not inspire confidence because she was winning a pretty ho-hum fight over Stephanie Luciano. You know, she was probably had two rounds to none. Then in the third round, she gassed out. She started getting tagged up on the feet. She pulled guard and got her ass kicked for the balance of the round. Uh, one, straw weights to gas out, that's not good. Um... And just, yeah, gassed out and then didn't seem to have any answers. Like, really let a woman back into the fight that, one, isn't very good either. And, two, sh shouldn't have had to. Like, she... This is rough. I, I favor uh, Rayani Amanda in this one. She's younger. I can point to one thing that she is very good at. Uh, she's a very good grappler. Uh, very scrambly. Able to grab submissions and put her opponents in peril from a variety of different angles. It's why she made such a cool Adam weight because Adam weight is full of those women. She's like a Brazilian, a Yakahamasaki type, you know, I don't think she's going to get much chance to show that against straw weights. I think a lot of the, I think the Denise Gomez fight 
on the contender series is more emblematic of what it's going to be like for Rihanna Amanda in the UFC because the UFC strawweight division is full of some strong little women and uh unless Dos Santos really grows into a more powerful physique as she crosses into her late 20s and into her 30s I think she's probably just going to settle in as just another woman in that division which again is kind of a bummer Adam Wade is is fun at its best but that's all irrelevant to this Alan Carr's routes to victory seem to me to be very few because Alan Carr is physically strong. If she could manage to just keep off the ground, keep Rayani Amanda off of her, like win clinch battles, kind of rough her up. Now I have this picture of her getting tired in the third round and she gets tired in the third round. She's not just going to get pelted. Dos is going to tap her out. So uh, I'm mildly That'd surprised. Impressive. That'd be impressive. Yeah. So even though Alan Carr is technically undefeated here, I saw her looking like she was losing a fight. Dos Santos, I'm going to say she wins a decision, probably wins a, a pretty one-sided one going away here, uh, but wouldn't be too surprised if she tapped a flagging Alan Carr late either. Yeah. <laughs> Invicta. I, I feel bad for these, these organizations that are associated with the UFC uh, you know, they just feed the UFC, LFA, Invicta. Anytime they, they invest in anybody, you know, they're gone. That said, like, why isn't Danny McCormick signed by the UFC? Being that she is the, the yeah, the strawweight champion, she's good. You know, she's not great. She's not the most entertaining. She's not great, but she's Irish. She always brings in more excitement. She talks well. She's got a good personality. Uh, I'm surprised that she isn't signed. Uh and then I was thinking, and I just started going over like in Victor Champions, like whatever happened to Brianna Van Buren? Like where's she been? She's she's Isn't outside the she's outside the apex right now because of the sign that says you must be this tall to enter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's really true. <laughs> well, like does she have a baby or something? Like where, where where's she been at? That's a good question because she was super young in like 2018, 2019 and looking pretty good. I mean, yeah, she, yeah. she went she, on run. I know she lost to Tisha Torres, which is not a bad loss. And then no. I don't know if she's fought since. I know she maybe she had some serious injuries or something. I don't know. Anyways, someone, someone in the chat, let us know what happened beyond Van Buren. Uh, yeah, this fight, this, this, uh, for two newcomers, uh, I like this fight, you know, um, Dos Santos, you know, she's definitely undersized. So that's that's the big concern. Moving up, uh, you know, she's she's I, I think she can fill out a little bit. You know, she's not super short or something like that where you know that's gonna be against her. She's very athletic. She's only you know, she's twenty eight, so she's kinda in her prime now. So it's not like she's gonna get too much better, but very athletic. She moves well, she's light on her feet, uh boxing style on the feet, works behind a jab. I like that she doubles up the jab. A really nice snap on her shots. Nice left hook. I like that she works the body. I like that she sits on her punches. She does really uh, – Megan Anderson pointed this out in her last fight. She she throws combinations, and she mixes up going high and low, down to the body, up to the head in combination, which I love. Uh, you mentioned her ground game. Like you said, you know, that's something you see her being really good at. I, I, I think she's really, really good everywhere. I think she's good on the feet too. Like I think she's very good on the feet. Uh, she, she can – Go for takedowns, good top control, good back takes. She's got eight submission wins. Uh, what I don't like is that she'll jump a guillotine, um, especially against someone like Alan Carr. Don't do that because of how good Alan Carr is on the ground. Uh, but I do like the, her last fight. 
you know, she wins the Invicta title. She goes hard 25 minutes, and she's putting the pace just as hard in the in the fifth round as she does in the in the first. And moving up in weight, she should probably have even more cardio, a little, you know, a little less of a of a weight cut. Now, Alan Carr, uh, she she's up there in age. She's already 33, so you know I hate that. But she's a pretty good athlete. Uh, you know, high volume striker. Uh, she she is wild with her strikes, but she throws them hard, and she's got some decent pop. But her striking is simply just a setup to get to her entries. Uh, defensively, she's got some holes. She doesn't move her head. She, he, um, but when she shoots for takedown, I'd say her entries are, are, are decent, though. So sometimes she'll shoot from too far away without a setup, which is concerning. Uh, she will pull guard to get the fight to the canvas. She's an elite grappler. Uh, you know, she's a black belt. She's a six. Yeah, when I say grappler, I'm talking about strictly BJJ, not necessarily right. MMA. But she's, you know, she's a six-time world champion. Uh, what I've seen of her, she's mothering top control. Pretty good. I like that she actually goes for her submissions by beating him up with with punches first, which I really like. Uh, she does have three subs on her record. But you mentioned it in her last fight. She was dominating a fight and gasped bad and was holding on. And she, and I agree with the draw decision because I, you know, I, I had you know two two rounds in the bag for her and I, I thought she got ten eight round the last round. Uh she's physically, you know, built more built than than Dos Santos. But I think she's in trouble. Uh, she's going to have to get this fight to the ground, and that's going to be like fill in the blank for most of her fights. I just think she's going to have trouble doing it because the way Dos Santos moves, Dos Santos is a moving target. That's something hard to, to take down. And even so, if she's getting like takedowns and say she's like holding on to an ankle, Dos Santos is going to you know, elbow, punch. She's going to make you work in every situation. And then when you start you know, gassing out from going for nonstop for takedowns, I think that's when Dos Santos swarms her. I think she, uh, I don't remember the woman's name on, on the contender series who wasn't able to finish her. I don't think that's going to be the case with Dos Santos, who's so different than the woman. The woman on the, on the contender series was huge for the weight yeah. class. Dos Santos is the opposite. But Dos Santos is fast and high volume and accurate. I think she finished that. Give me Dos Santos with second round TKO. Next up at UFC Vegas 83, we have our third undefeated competitor in the first four fights on the card. Uh, none of the others shining quite so bright as Mr. Tatsuro Tyra, however, as he takes on Carlos Hernandez. Tyra, 23-year-old from Okinawa, is 14-0 as a professional mixed martial artist. He is 4-0 since joining the UFC a little under two years ago. Fought most recently at UFC 290 back in July, where he took a unanimous decision over Edgar Jairez. He will look to make it five in a row at the expense of Hernandez. Uh, Hernandez, 30-year-old Chicago native, is 9-2 overall. He is 2-1 since joining the UFC out of Season 5 of Dana White's Contender Series. He won uh, his last time out a technical decision Basically, buzzer-beating technical decision win over Denise Bondar uh, at UFC on ESPN Vittori versus Cannoneer back in June. Odds here, heavily favor Tyra, of course. He is minus 450, one of the biggest wow. uh, favorites on the card. Hernandez coming back at plus 350. Keith, I know from a f for a fact, you know, after talking with you about fights for um, four, going on four years now, that you are a believer in Tatsuro Tyra. Nonetheless... <laughs> I also know that you think Carlos Hernandez is pretty good. Yeah, uh, that's why I was shocked by the the, the uh, odds there. Uh, 
I, I hate to frame a fight ahead of time as a showcase for one fighter, you know, or a test for one fighter, you know, nobody in the UFC sees themselves as the test or the enemy or, you know, opponent number two, like everyone thinks that they're the main character and they're the future champ. Certainly Carlos Hernandez doesn't think he's going to Vegas this weekend to be a test for Tatsuro Tyra, but looking at it from a promotional perspective where Tyra is from a coveted market, he's super young, he's very exciting. Do you see Hernandez as kind of an appropriate next step for Tyra after the first four people he's beaten? Yeah, absolutely. Like it, it, it's definitely a step up in competition. One thing I'll say about the odds that that you know, one, I think Hernandez is good. Two, you know, Tyra didn't look great against Edgar Charest. Like he won, but it wasn't this thrashing that everyone thought. Now, now Tyra is a guy when he first came in the UFC. I, I was I was a little pumping the brakes on him. I wasn't super high on him. I was like, yeah, he looks like he'd be a fun addition, but I don't know if he's a you know actual contender. Uh, and then. You know, smokes. You know, has a back and forth moment with Canada, but ultimately smokes him. Smokes Figara. Smokes Hazard Aguilar. It's like, wow, this this guy does look like like a contender. Uh, he, he's he's a long and lengthy striker. Uh, very, you know, his striking is much better than when you know I first thought of him coming into the UFC. Uh, I always knew he was good on the ground, but very fluid, very controlled. He uses his length well to to pick apart from range. Quick hands. He's got some pop. Uh, really good kicking game, though he can sometimes throw some naked leg kicks, which which is concerning. And he does keep his chin a little too high for my liking. Some of that has to do with uh, just being a bigger guy. Uh, it's obviously for the weight class, long, lengthy guy. Uh, but if he can get the fight to the ground, I mean, dude's a wizard on the ground. I just, it, and what I love about it is just the way he controls. Strong top control, inches for position, doesn't really rush anything. Uh, great back takes. Uh, he has a, he has a submission threat. Seven subs on his on his record, and he changed subs together. The, you know he you know he, he's losing one, he's transitioning to the next one, or he's using one really a, as more of a bait to set up something else. Hernandez, uh, he's 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 a good athlete. He looked good against Bondar, which which is a good uh, you know good test for anybody. Moves well. He cuts angles well on the feet. Uh, he does prefer to be the one pressing the action instead of countering and. He's got some tight boxings. You a lot of variety in striking. Uh, I love that he's been adding in some step and knees, good kicks. Uh, I, you know, he rips the body with kicks. He miss, he mixes striking and takedown attempts together well. Uh, if he gets to the clinch, he likes to battle in dirty box. We'll go for some takedowns, uh, big slams. Uh, gets to the ground, looks to advanced position. Good back takes. He's got four subs himself. Uh, the issue he's going to have is he's a weak defensive wrestler. Um, and he's had moments like uh, he, he went against, uh, I think it was Alan. Was yeah. it? Alan yeah, Nascimento, who fights. Yeah, Alan Nascimento. Yeah. yeah, naked choked him. But he, besides that, he had him on his back for long periods of time. So that's not, you know, that's an issue. Um, but I like to think it's good cardio. So this is a fun scrap. It is definitely a, a step up for Tyra uh, as a test. Uh, I think both guys are, are really good. I think both guys are, are fairly well-rounded. Unfortunately for Hernandez, you know, Tyra has the advantage if he hits the ground, uh, especially, you know, if he's defensive, you know, he's a guy on the defense and Tyra's on the offense. And that's what I expect to see from the majority of the fight. I think Tyra's going to take him down, hold him down for big periods of time. So give me Tyra by decision. Yeah, I don't, I, I really just don't have much to add to that. Uh, I've, 
been impressed by Tyra's development because yeah, he's winning each time out, but uh, also just seeming to develop a little bit under the bright lights, as you might expect of someone who was 21 when he joined the the UFC. Uh, I feel as though he hits harder now than he did, you know, in his last couple fights in Japan and maybe his first fight in the UFC. And that's partly just growing into an adult body and partly probably gaining in confidence and just refining his technique. I agree with you that uh, Hernandez is probably better than the odds indicate, which is why I kind of laid out the very loaded setup I did for you in, in asking about that. Uh, but yeah, the the variables here all seem to favor Tyra um, on, on the feet, you know, his reach, his speed. I do think he'll have the advantage on the ground. He is... I, I mean, the, the you use the term wizard, and while that may be overused in some cases, that's that's not the case here. He's got a nice combination of the what you would expect of a Japanese or Okinawan guy that came up through Shudo, like just a very classic freewheeling, creative, grab a submission uh, from anywhere type approach, and then more of a modern, solid, positionally based uh, approach. He's a lot, a hell of a lot of fun to watch, and I do think he gets past uh, Hernandez here as well. Uh, Gimme Tyra by one of those fights where it's yeah, it's thirty twenty seven, but it felt really competitive at the time. Each of the rounds was, uh, you know, was individually competitive, and, and Hernandez had his moments. Yeah, which no one expected. Yeah, yeah, and 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 hope for honestly, you know, if you're a Tatsuro Tyra backer, you want him tested at this point in his career. You don't want him just walking into the cage against Kai Kara France six months from now, never having fought a, a guy in the top 50, you know? Uh, we head now to the women's bantamweight division for a matchup between Luana Santos and Stephanie Egger. Santos, the 23-year-old Brazilian, is 6-1 overall. She is 1-0 in the UFC. She made her debut back in August, knocking out Juliana Miller in the first round. She will look to make it two in a row against Egger. 35-year-old from Switzerland is 8-4 overall. She is an even 3-3 three three in the UFC and has alternated wins and losses over her last four fights. She is coming in off a loss. She got tapped out in the first round by Irina, the Russian Ronda, Alexieva, at UFC on ESPN's Song vs. Simone back in April. Prior to that, she had choked out Eileen Perez in the second round uh, last September. Odds favor Santos. Uh, she is minus 190, Egger plus 160. Keith, I don't know much, but I know that I cannot pick Stephanie Egger fights. And <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's not just that I get the result wrong. It's just that I, I, I'm blaming Egger for this one. Yeah. I'm always willing to own up to it when, yeah. when I don't have a handle on a, a fighter or, or a matchup. Sure. But Egger just seems incredibly consistent, inconsistent. Yeah, I and, agree. <laughs> and even within the realm of what you would expect to be her specialty, because she is an elite judica. She's, yeah. and, you know, she wasn't an Olympian. She's not Ronda Rousey, but, you know, she was a Swiss champion and Central Europe, you know, strong judo programs all around. And sometimes she looks like a woman playing with children, just throwing other bantamweights around. And then other times she just gets dummied on the ground by women who you wouldn't think would be on her level. 
And on top of everything else, she's 35. And I mean, she wasn't, I mean, she wasn't exactly Usain Bolt when she was younger, but she does seem to be slowing as well. I, at this point, she is a kind of plodding, large-bodied and very strong uh, Bantamweight who has limited routes to victory against the other women in her division. And she's taking on someone in Santos who's also big and strong, confident on the ground, much, much younger. Man, it, if we were previewing this fight six months ago, I probably would have picked Egger in the upset. But I, I feel like the, the ride might almost be done here. Uh, I think Santos hits harder on the feet. And Egger has had just moments of defensive lapses where just, you know, shorter women who shouldn't be able to tag her cleanly have been. And Santos looked good in beating Juliana Miller. And I know that a win over Juliana Miller, it's kind of like the, it's like the, the Halloween display stuff at Target, like on November 1st, like it's 50% off, it's 80% yeah. off. And it's just, please, <laughs> yeah. please get this shit the fuck out of our store, you know, yeah. so we can we can bring in the Christmas things. Uh, like it, it, to, to say the least, it's not aging well. But um, yeah, every possibility that Edgar just shocks me here and does, you know, an Uchimata and dumps Santos on her head and then like, pelts her with punches until she turtles up. But I think that's the outside chance. Uh, I, I think Santos can probably hurt Egger on, on the feet. I think if this thing goes to the ground, it probably goes to the ground at the time and place of Santos's choosing. But even if Egger does dump her on her head, I don't think Santos is gonna panic. And Santos is, is very good on the ground herself. I would just expect her to be able to get back up or sweep uh, Egger and, and put her in trouble on the ground. Uh, give me Santos to win kind of a one-sided decision here. Uh, speaking of uh, Halloween, we gotta ruffle off some listeners. Uh, ben, are you pro or anti candy corn? I don't eat much candy. Period. I mean, I'm, oh, I'm fat enough without that. eating a lot of candy, but I, I don't hate candy corn. Oh, like yeah. when, when you know when I my kids were small and they <clears throat> come back with the baskets, I, I would you know. I'm I'm always good to to take the candy corn off their hands. Oh yeah, me too. I, I'll pound a whole pound of candy corn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'll I put it. like I'll put fifteen candy corns in my mouth, like their teeth are like. Yeah, there's something wrong with people who, who talk shit about candy corn. I, I love some candy corn. Um, I mean, get those like circus peanut things all the way out of my face, but yeah, the candy corn's good. Oh, you don't like the circus peanuts either? <laughs> well, yeah. they're like a giant candy corn. They get all stale and crusty on the outside, and then yeah, ugh, I ugh. agree. I agree. It's not that good. I think the you know what candy is the worst. Other other than like black licorice or the stuff that's made to be gross, but <laughs> I love black wife. licorice. My, you like it? You like all black right. licorice? Yeah, I like black licorice just fine. It just doesn't go with anything else. Oh, yeah. Oh. Um. The worst might be that candy. I don't know if they even make this anymore. The candy that used to be on the paper, for some reason, instead of putting the, it in a plastic, the little dots, and they they rip off a little strip of paper. Like you can never get a paper on the back. Like yeah. I, 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 even as like a little kid, I'd be like, why can't they just put this in a plastic, like bag, like every other candy? <laughs> I'm so gross. Yeah. And note, everybody watching this, this is not a side conversation. Stephanie Egger is from Switzerland, well known for its candy making. Yeah. So yeah, we'll be talking about Rolex watches next because that's yeah. you know, <laughs> those kind of guys. A, a better debate 
is what is a better judo federation the switzerland judo or the kentucky judo federation which one's oh, more highly decorated oh, i would dude i would say the swiss judo federation dogs the kentucky judo federation <laughs> would be my guess we need to get like a, a guest from the kentucky judo federation to like do a recap show with us or something dude one of these times we're going to be Open talking like this game. and just actual Don Tail Maze is going to come in off screen and just pick me up and throw me and out my own window. Right <laughs> just absolute judo. Yeah. Grab you, grabs you by like the back of your belt yeah. and does the full judo. Yeah, you know? he'll just come on my camera and go, you know, Uchi of that bitch. Yeah. Like, well, <laughs> that'll be yeah. the end of the Shillin' and Duffy show. It'll be the Shillin' and Maze show. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> um, yeah, Stephanie, I got so she's really big for the weight class, but she, she's not a good athlete. She she marches forward. She does have some good volume. Uh, she she tries using her size well. As she's you know tries she marches forward, but you know still tries to keep her range at the end of her punches. Uh, but her hands have slow, are slow and they're slowing even worse at thirty five. She she has some defensive hold. Biggest thing, you know, she pulls her head, your head straight back. Uh, she doesn't have a lot of power. She does, have, she does have that judo black belt. And I actually like when she works in the clinch. Like, she can just work in the clinch. Don't even take the fight to the ground. Just use the size, wear on your opponent. Um, she, you know, she can get some trips, some body lock takedowns, uh, some throws. She she is a good submission artist. But, uh, you know, she meddled at, at Abu Dhabi. She hit Jessica Clark with this beautiful armbar. She subbed Eileen Perez. But I think her grappling is overrated. Because, I mean, she was also subbed by... Uh, Mario Bueno Silva. She was subbed by uh, Irina Alcasivo. How do you say her name? Ugh. So, like, I understand why we call her inconsistent because she's inconsistent what she does. <laughs> you know, and, and sometimes like, oh yeah, she's she, you know, she she met her at Abu Dhabi, so she must be really good. And but then you're like, yeah, she submitted Jessica Rose Clark and Eileen Perez. Like, okay, but you make a good point about the clinch because. I mean, her two best wins in the UFC are over Perez and Clark, and those are both women that normally use the clinch as their safe space. Sure. It wasn't against Egger, and that's why she beat him so easy. Yeah, especially Clark. Like, that's yeah. that's like her safe place. Mm-hmm. Uh, Luana Santos, you know, the big thing that jumps out of me is, is she's 23. You know I love that. Um, she's a boxer on the feet, uses feints well to set up her shots, some tight boxing. Uh, she loves to dip down and then, and then like, you know, fake down low and then go over the top with overhands. Uh, she throws hard. She's got good power. I mean, she knocked Juliana Miller out quick. In, you know, division that, you know, not you don't see that a lot. Uh, that's because she steps into her shots and sits on her punches. Uh, she does throw kicks, but she throws a lot of naked leg kicks, which I don't like. And and she doesn't check leg kicks. She also wants one moving forward. And, I mean, in their brief fight, like she hated the pressure from Miller. Uh, she lacks head movement. She's an okay grappler. Uh, but she is a BJJ black belt. She's also a judo black belt herself. Now, I don't know if she got it from Kentucky, but uh, she's a judo black belt. She has three subs. Uh, yeah, Steph- picking second from the Edgar fights are, are tough, but I- I'm all over Santos here. Edgar is bigger. Uh, she could definitely win the clinch battle and grind. But Santos is younger. She's faster. She hits harder. I say Edgar walks right into one of her power shots. I say Santos hurts Edgar, and I think I say she finishes her with strikes. I'm going to say Santos wins my first round TKO. Next up, a UFC Fight Night 233, and at least as the card is currently constituted, the top prelim is a men's flyweight matchup between Hyunsung Park and Shannon Ross. Park, the 28-year-old Korean, is a perfect 8-0 as a professional. He is 
3-0 since joining the UFC as part of the first Road to UFC tournament. Uh, he won that tournament back in February with a third-round submission of Sung Guk Choi and has been on the shelf ever since. This is his first official UFC fight since winning the tourney. He will be facing Ross, 34-year-old Australian, 12-8 overall, 0-2 since joining the UFC as a veteran of Season 6 of Dana White's Contender Series, where he lost. So between the Contender Series and his two UFC appearances, he is 0-3 in the octagon. Fought most recently in July at the Volkanovski versus Rodriguez card, uh, UFC 290, where he got knocked out in just 17 seconds by Jesus Santos Aguilar. Odds here, as you might expect, overwhelmingly favor Park. He is minus 500, Ross plus 350. Keith, Shannon Ross is 0-3 between the Contender Series and the UFC with three TKO losses. In his toughest matchup on the regional scene in Australia, he got run over on the ground by Steve Urseg, who's now making waves in the UFC. And he's going against a guy in Park who, yeah, he's not Tatsuro Tyra. You know, he's he's a few years older, doesn't have quite the dazzling skill set, but he's undefeated and, and generally rolling over people. I have the feeling I know who you're picking in this fight, but I got to say, you know, Shannon Ross, you look at him, you look what he looks, you know, kind of what he looks like, the very Irish name, and this really tough guy who just seems overwhelmed. Uh, against UFC level competition, and I just keep having to remind myself that he's not from New England. <laughs> oh, fuck, dude. <laughs> <laughs> no, he just fits the mold of we pulled Man. up, a uh, pulled up a guy, you know, uh, out of a Boston gym on short notice to fight in the UFC. He's just, oh. a, a, he's like a, a Don Shanis type, you know. Yeah, yeah, no, no, you're absolutely one hundred percent right. <laughs> uh, um, he's a wicked pisser. Yeah. <laughs> I, Assuming that you're going with Park here, you know. Not now after you, if, you, if we adopted Shannon Ross. <laughs> New England zone. No, the, the, the Australian uh, Shannon Ross. How do you see this fight going? If you if you are kind of high on Park as a prospect, what's something you'd like to see out of him this fight? Aside from just, an, I mean, a, another 17-second knockout is fun, but doesn't teach us much. Like. Yeah. Is there, is there it, anything that would make this fight like kind of worth it for you? I'm just trying to, I'm trying to think of a trade. Like if we take Shannon Ross, like who does Australia have to take? Like William Knight or something like that. <laughs> I don't know. Which, uh, oh, what's that greenhead freak that got beat up by Sean O'Malley? Chris Matinho? Yeah, but they can get Matinho. <laughs> no, dude, take Mike Rodriguez and put a bunch of those oh, Maori yeah. put a bunch of those Maori tattoos all over him and just say he's from New Zealand. Yeah, like, or, or or like let's do the opposite. Like dude, we get if we take Shannon Ross, like we get to take someone good with him. Like, you know, not Alex Volkanovski, but we take like Jacob Malkoon. No, yeah, like I'll take that, dude. Dude, <laughs> dude send him. Uh, God, who's the the Cape Verdean guy? Yorgen de Castro. Yeah, send him Jorgen de Castro. No, put, I like you, Dude, you put some he, Maori tattoos he, on that dude. Yeah, he fits. Yeah, he definitely and, would fit. He, I guess yeah. he's doing the haka. A haka yeah, he's, he's yeah, he did the haka. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's he's hanging with Justin <laughs> yeah. Taffa. Do you like? <laughs> you know what? That's a fair trade. That's a fair trade. And man, if Jorgen de Castro wins a fight, how quick is that man doing a shoey? Yeah, Jorgen Jorgen de Castro probably drinks beer out of shoes at home just for the hell of it. Yeah, I, I, unfortunately, like Bain Middle School's like. Toilets won't be cleaned. 
I don't know. I, I know it's full somewhere at Full Room. I don't know if it was Bane, but one of those. Uh, <laughs> like I'm saying this to you, like you know, like oh yeah, like you know about the Fall River Middle Schools. I t- um. Oh, Jesus Christ. First of all, why, why is this fight so high up the card? And the weird thing is they made this fight really recently. I don't know if they were having trouble finding opponents for Park, but they only threw this well, one together like three or four they weeks might ago. Have had trouble, in fairness, they might have had trouble finding opponents for Shannon Ross. I mean, that's, yeah, that's the boogeyman in the division. Oh, man. Um. Yeah, Park, yeah. he's well-rounded. Uh, you know, he's a striker. He's a pressure striker. Uh, I like his right hand. I like the attacks with combinations. I'd say he has plus power. But he's got a lot of defensive issues. Very hittable. He avoids strikes by pulling his head straight back. Uh, he will wrestle. He has a submission threat. He's got submissions and back-to-back subs. Uh, Shannon Ross, you know, he's a weak athlete. Very flat-footed. Bit of a stationary target. Uh but he he likes to press the action. He like he wants to come forward and and and, and throw volume. He uses feints well, set of shots. His boxing solid. Like you know, he's got quick hands. He attacks the combinations. Uh, he loves his overhand right. He loves to rip the body. He's got you know I'd say plus power. He loves to close the distance quickly, either by spurting in to the pocket or like throwing like a flying knee or more just to kind of, or like a Superman punch more to just kind of close the distance and actually land it. The problem is is he's been hurt often to the body, you know, and he's been hurt really just his durability altogether is an issue. He's been knocked out a lot. He's been knocked out he in less than a minute in his last two fights. Yeah, that's not a good look. Now he can wrestle a little bit. Uh, he's def- he's not a submission threat, but he's got cardio and his cardio's off the charts. Uh, would you say the, I, I got, I'll tell you who I got, got, I'll tell you who my pick is, but I, I'm taking Park, but what is, what was the betting lines? Park's minus 500. That's plus, fucking plus nuts. Like Park's not that good. Um. Yeah. I I want I want to take Ross just because of that, but um, I want to pick Ross because of his volume and the defensive issues of Park. I I feel like like I feel this fight a lot like the last fight with Bellato, where for some reason. You know, he's a big favorite, and, and I think it's saying something about his opponent. But also, like, he shouldn't be a f- negative 500 favorite against anybody. Um, Like, I'm not thinking Park's that good. So, that said, I just – I can't trust the chin of Ross. Um, I you, Now I wish – you know, when I look at this card and this, you know, obviously between your week and everything, you can only pick so many fights you, you really want to really dig into – the tape study if i knew the the odds were this wide i might have dug in a little bit more to see if i was if there's something i could see in shannon ross to take an upset if you uh, want to watch all of shannon ross's ufc fights i, I can <laughs> wait i can wait 80 seconds <laughs> nice job nice job um i'll say part catches ross i say he wins by sakura knockout yeah i i mean and i definitely feel where you're coming from there uh I kind of like I said, you know, Park. Even though he's undefeated, he's not Tatsuro Tyra. Uh, he may be falling into that category of the guy that's just not run into the right guy yet. You can look up the ladder at 125 and see just a row of dudes who will pay, make him pay for his defensive lapses on the feet. And, and 
again, you know, I just always use him as an, an example because, you know, he strikes me as, as the guy who's going to be in the top 10 forever, but probably not make it quite over the hump. Just, yeah, uh, Kai Car France would just sit parked down in the middle of his first combination just with a, a sharp counter to, to the face. But Ross just isn't the guy to make Park pay. And it's kind of for the reasons you mentioned. Ross's own defense is wide open and his chin is super questionable. And it's not just his chin. He's been hurt to the body. He has the power to make Park pay, but he doesn't have the durability or, or the defense. And while he can wrestle, I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you that Park at minus 500 seems really rich, but Ross isn't going to be the guy to, to teach us. He's probably a better fighter than he's let on here. But if, if you can't stand flyweight power and I mean, man, I, I keep talking up Shannon Ross. Why am I even still talking about this fight? Now, now I'm going, you know what? Clay Jason Rodriguez is one of the harder hitters. And why do I care? Park round two, round two knockout. Ross has a couple of, of moments to make it interesting. Maybe he puts Park on skates for a minute. Boom. At least as the card is set up as of the beginning of fight week, the sixth fight main card of UFC Vegas 83 begins with a welterweight contest between Song Kanan and Kevin Jusei. Song, the 33-year-old Chinese fighter, is 20-7 and seven overall. He is 5-3 and three in the UFC. He is coming in off a win. Uh, he took a unanimous decision over Rolando Bedoya back in August at UFC Fight Night Holloway versus Korean Zombie. Prior to that, he had back-to-back -back knockout losses against Ian Gary and Max Griffin. He will look to uh, get back. Sorry. Uh, he will look to make it two in a row against Jusei. 30-year-old New Zealander, 9-2 overall, 1-0 in the UFC. He made his debut in September at the Adesanya versus Strickland uh, UFC 293, tapping out Kiefer Crosby late in the first round. Odds here favor the New Zealander. He is minus 170. Song is plus 140 on uh, the comeback. Keith? Uh, Tell me if you disagree, but Kevin Jusei might be the the first of a, of a new breed, the city kickboxing fighter who may be a better grappler than uh, than Stryker. I, I'm not sure, just based on uh, on the tape I've seen. Tell me if you like him against Song here. And I mean, this is a brutal division, but whether you see kind of top 15 upside at any point for either of these guys. Yeah. The division is song. Definitely. I mean, something we, we kind of know what we got with this guy at this point. Um, he's just a guy. He's, he's a card filler is, is, as I like to call the guys that are just like, okay, we, we need another fight. All right. Look, look at this guy. Um, just say, I think it's a little wait and see approach. Um, what I've seen on paper, I'm not like, like, Oh wow. Like this, this guy's the next big thing in the division. Uh, but you know he's. I haven't. I've also haven't seen anything where I'm like, okay, this guy's not good. So, um, I mean, so Song is he's big for the weight class. He's he's a boxer, but the issue is he lacks volume. Like he's way too many single strikes. Uh, he kind of works by this like stiff jab and his power right, and and a powerful left hook. But he doesn't throw him enough. Uh, he he will toss out a spinning attack there. He's he's got power. Uh, hard kicks he's very physically strong uh 
he he defends takedowns by like looking for standing guillotines, which I don't like. Um, his his overall defense is a little weak. I mean, Derek Krantz picked him up and slammed him, uh, and, and he almost. Um, well, he, he's hard to he, he he's because of his size, he can just kind of like post and get back up. Um, but you know his car his cardio is pretty good. Like he was pushing hard cardio in the third round, but that's what happened when you kind of pace yourself the whole fight. Uh, but I, I got, I'm a little worried about his chin. I mean, Max Griffin knocked him out. Ian Gary knocked him out. Um, you say you say it's a massive guy. He's probably the biggest welterweight on the roster. He's he, huge. He he looks like in silhouette. He looks like Ian Gary. Like the same kind of build, same but he's size. Like, but he's, I think he's stockier, though. Like, yeah, I, I, I think he probably outbenches Ian Gary. <laughs> um, he, he's, he's long and lengthy. He's, he's flat-footed. Uh, he's a little stiff on the feet. Uh, his boxing is tight, but he doesn't, he, he, he doesn't flow. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He, he seems like a guy that does like a lot of rounds with like the heavy bag. Like He enjoys hitting the heavy bag. Uh, you know, he throws straight shots. Uh, he also throws a lot of single shots, uh, long jab. He he lacks head movement, and and I've seen him be cracked a lot. He keeps his chin high in the air, uh, but he's pretty durable. I'll give him that. Like he's got a hell of a beard on. Um, hard leg kicks, good good high kick. Uh, he uses his size really well in the clinch. Very physically strong guy. Uh, he likes the Muay Thai plum clinch. Good dirty boxing. I like that he looks for elbows inside and knees inside. He he's judo black belt, uh, so he you know he can get some takedowns inside there. But he he can wrestle a little bit. Good top control. He will stall at times on top uh, and, and hold and try to wear his opponent out. But to his credit, he did sub Kiefer Crosby pretty quickly uh, in, in his debut. You know, take that what it's worth. But uh, when he lets go and he and he he. He's got the size that he can have some really mean ground and pound. Uh, but overall, he's a weak defensive wrestler. I'm not high on either. You know, um, I know Juse is a favorite and he's he's a guy that the UFC likes. I'll pick him because of the size advantage and, and the strength advantage. And that's that is something that's part of Kanan's song, you know, Kanan Song's game is is being the, the stronger guy. I, I see he gets, you know, he, he gets put on bottom, he gets ground and pound. Um, yeah, he gets grinded in the clinch, and it just is like an ugly kind of fight. Give me Jose by decision. All right. Yeah, I, I mean, I I threw out asking what kind of upside you saw in either of these guys. Again, kind of as a, it, it was a bit of a leading sure. uh, question because I, I feel the same way. It, it takes a lot to stand out as a future guy at 170. We were lucky. <laughs> Leon, Leon Edwards had to win like 172 fights before people noticed him. Yeah. It, it takes something. <laughs> but Muhammad, people still don't know his name. <laughs> man, then, then they need to follow him on Twitter because like the, the, the man is smart enough and getting just cranky enough and his bag of fucks is, is so empty he, he has no more to give uh he, he's a fun follow you ever watch the uh the the um what do they call it the weigh-in show the espn weigh-in show the espn ufc weigh-in show like i i never have so they do it for the pay-per-views it's a good show, man. It's actually a lot of fun. That you have a chance. The next pay per view, watch it. It's like they they do a good job, and he 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 hosts it sometimes. 
uh, DC's on it, and uh, Dan Helly has really like grown on me. That's a it's a fun show. You you know that I grew up with Dan Helly, right? No. Oh yeah, like we went to the same church growing up. Went to like neighboring high schools. We're Did like, you guys, like go to door to door together. No, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> he, no, he, uh, he, let's he, get some Dan Helly stories. Oh, is he uh, like the opposite? He went like he grew up in the same church and he rebels and he's. I don't know if he rebelled, but like, like, I mean, we both left that particular religion, but he did like earlier than I did. And then just, I mean, we stayed peripherally friends over the years. Cause like, you know, his mom and my mom are friends on Facebook and, you know, again, he and I are like very close in age, but yeah, like, uh, I ran into him at one of the pay-per-views down here in Houston. It was kind of cool to see him. We just like took a picture and like sent it to our moms and, and stuff, but yeah, oh, that's it. Yeah. Dan, Dan's, uh, I sent uh, a picture to your mom too once. <laughs> Keith, are you in my mom's DMs? <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, he, I, all right, I will say he is one of the few people I've known in my entire life that knew what he wanted to do for a living when he was 14 years old. That's and it cool. actually happened. Like he That's absolutely awesome. wanted to work in sports media from the time that we were in like junior high or high school. And awesome. he, Picked a college based on that. He went to Tennessee that had a good, you know, kind of sports and broadcast journalism program. And I remember when he got his first kind of local cable news job, then ESPN regional affiliate, main ESPN. And then he crossed over. Like, I think they picked him up for uh, the contender. They brought him over to the contender series. Yeah, yeah. Right around the time that I was getting into writing and like MMA journalism mm -hmm. myself, I was like, this is wild. And, you know, we, we kind of got back in touch via email. But, yeah, that's that's cool. Yeah, that's very, really cool. cool. I, I met him when I was in Boston, and he seems like a really cool dude. And I actually corrected him. I'm like, hey, man, I absolutely love the like the countdown show. I mean, not the, the, not the, the way-in show. It's a lot of, it seems like a lot of fun. And he was like, I go, but you guys asked a question. And the question, it was a trivia question. And they said, who's the first ever UFC bantamweight champion? And I said, it's actually a trick question. It is. Because you guys said Dominic Cruz. And he says, correct. And it's like, well, it depends. If you're counting 135, it is. But Jens Pulver is the real answer because lightweight used to be called Bantamweight. Yep. And he's like, no way. And he's like, he just, it was one of those ones like, all right, smart ass. Like he, he seemed generally like, oh, wow, really? Like he was, he was cool. Yeah. And then it, it's based partly on you, probably the way you presented it to him, you know. Not I was like, like hey, hey, fucking newbie. Or like, just like, or adding him on Twitter or something, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, he seems like a cool dude. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. Uh, anyway, yeah. That was a detour. Where the hell but, we yeah. yeah. It, well, unless you're. <laughs> oh, we're talking about Bilal Muhammad. We yeah. went from Bilal Muhammad to, to yeah. <laughs> Dan Haley and yeah. Jens Paul for trivia. Yeah. Uh, it takes a lot to stand out as a next possible big thing at 170. Neither of these guys is it. I mean, card filler, it sounds dismissive to say, but I get where you're going there because there are certain 170 pounders that it's not just that, okay, yeah, they'll probably never be a contender, but they don't even really use those guys to test up and coming contenders. They just make those dudes fight each other yeah. endlessly. And Song and Jusei are very much in that mold. Like they just, yeah. Uh, I do see more upside. And just say song for how old he is or how old he isn't. 
has a surprising amount of wear and tear on him. I could also see him being the kind of guy that starts to look really old really fast. Uh, and he's just not around winner. His fights are grimy and grinding. And you mentioned his output issues that make it difficult for him to win close rounds. I got you say by a decision here, not a whole lot of confidence in it, but uh, yeah, he survives and, and advances. Next up on the UFC Fight Night 233 main card is a middleweight matchup between Andre Muniz and Junyong Park. Muniz, the 33-year-old Brazilian, is 17-5 overall. He is 5-2 since joining the UFC as a two-time veteran of the Contender Series. He fought on the first season of Dana White's Contender Series Brazil. He won, but then was brought back uh, a full year later to fight on the U.S. version of the Contender Series. He won again and went on from there to win his first five fights in a row in the UFC, minting himself as a title contender, honestly, at 185 pounds before running into back-to-back -back losses in his last two appearances against Brendan Allen and Paul Craig. The most recent of those, the Craig fight, was at uh, UFC London in July. He got knocked out in the second round. So he's looking for his first win of this calendar year. He's looking to snap the first losing streak of his career, and he's going to try to do it against Park. Uh, Park, 32-year-old Korean, is 17-5 overall. He is 7-2. and two in the UFC. He is on a four fight win streak uh, since getting knocked out by Gregory Rodriguez a little over two years ago. He has wins over Eric Anders, Joseph Holmes, Dennis Tululin, and Albert Duraev. The most recent of those, the Duraev fight was at the Holm versus Bueno Silva fight night card in July. He tapped him out late in the second round. Odds on this one favor the Korean pretty comfortably. He is minus 200, Mooney's plus 160 on the comeback. Keith, if this fight had taken place a year ago, Mooney's probably would have been a minus 350 favorite. Uh, it's, there are certain deceptive things about Andre Mooney's. Like of the two guys in this fight, he's the older one, which is, yeah. it's weird because, because Mooney's came to the UFC fairly late, he was already, uh, sure. I mean, he was already almost 30 or almost 30 when he got to the UFC. And the fact that he's got just kind of a baby face. Like he just, you know, he looks very young. And he has the yeah, very Brazilian, just joyous, demonstrative uh, vibe, sure. especially when he's winning, which is that's all he did for the first couple of years. Yeah. He always felt like a 26 year old, but he's 33 and it's unkind to do so. But if you look back at it, he won his first five fights in the UFC but there's a little bit of yeah, but about all of them. He yeah. got, he is yeah. such a sensation for breaking Jacare's arm. Yeah. But at the same time, if, if he and Jacare fought 10 times, I don't know who would have won, but it would have only looked like that once. And then he followed that up. You know, when you break Jacare's arm, you're on the cusp of being a star. Yeah, absolutely. They matched him up against top, you know, top 15, 20 quality fighters, like the logical kind of people you would want them to fight. But Eric Anders and Uriah Hall were good matchups for Muniz. Uh, you know, guys that he would have a serious advantage on the ground over and guys somewhat prone to lapses in fight IQ. So he gets past both those guys. Then he runs into actual top 10 fighters and the results have not been good. And the things that were his, his safe place and his strong points have not been.
Brendan Allen tapped him out. Paul Craig pounded him out. Like, yeah. That's a reversal. Normally, it's Paul Craig getting elbowed in the face you yeah. know, while trying to throw up an arm bar. Mm -hmm. uh, it's which would the real Andre Muniz please stand up? Because this is a step back. Park is a guy that is way better than we thought he was when he got to the UFC and he has become better. It's not just that we had the scouting report on him wrong. It's that he has improved or at least he's dug into his bag of skills and he's found, okay, no, if I want to win at the UFC level, I need to leave those in the bag and I need to pull this one out. He's become a grindy wrestler, which is not what he was in Korea. Uh, I mean, the way these guys' trajectories are going, this could be, should be the perfect comeback turnaround fight for Andre Muniz. If, if he really sure. is a good fighter who's just fallen on some hard times, Jun Young Park is the perfect comeback fight for him because Muniz is bigger, you know, better reach. He's not a very polished yeah, striker, but he's fast, powerful, accurate. I mean, he is a yeah. physical specimen. And the things that are normally Park's safe place, the clinch and wrestling and getting people to the ground shouldn't be if Muniz really is that kind of grappler. If Muniz isn't what he looked like on his way up, if in fact he's kind of a front runner who is going to wilt if he can't just blow through overmatched people on the ground, Park is going to be a nightmare matchup for him because Park, it almost feels like a throwaway compliment to just call someone tough. You know, it just feels like fighters talking about each other. You know, when they don't want to really say anything nice, they're like, yeah, you know, he's real tough. He's a warrior. Just the, the kind of like backhanded compliment, like that's the least I can say about him. But it's really true of Park. Park has won multiple fights in the UFC over bigger, stronger, faster guys by wading through damage, grinding them down, getting them tired, and just breaking them. He's kind of the, I don't know, Korean Darren Elkins type thing. I don't know if he'll ever become Jun Young, you know, Jun Young fucking Park, but... He has a couple wins that 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 might make make you say that. Yeah, if this fight had taken place a year ago, I would have expected it to look like what Gregory Rodriguez did to Park. I'm not that confident anymore. And oh man, I'm I'm gonna regret this, man. I I I think Mooney shows that okay, he may not be a future champ in this division, which he. He looked like at least like a future title yeah. challenger sooner. Like, dude, if, if he beat Brendan Allen this February, he would have been in the title eliminator in, in over the summer instead of just another fight against Paul Craig. He he was a trendy guy when Izzy was a champion. As like, oh, this is the worst stylistic matchup for Izzy. He mm -hmm. was that guy that people yeah. say. I don't think I don't think he's that guy anymore. But I also don't think he's just another guy. I think he is that kind of eight through 15 material. And if he is, he does get past park. I don't think he blows through him on the ground. I could see this being the kind of thing where Mooney's is having trouble trying to get the ground to the fight where he wants it. And we get some awkward exchanges on the feet where Mooney's like is getting put on the back foot by park and just having trouble unloading kicks, unloading punches at, at his preferred range, mm -hmm. but does get parked to the ground a few times. I think if they go to the ground, Mooney's will be able to put Park in trouble. You know, he might not be able to tap him. He might not 
we might not have one of those rounds where he's just backpacking him for four minutes and tries three different rear naked chokes, but enough trouble to win rounds on the ground against Park. Give me Muniz to win a decision and spark at least a little interest in his upside as a contender. But, uh, you know, he he's not close to the title picture like he was at the beginning of this year. But give me Muniz in the decision. Big upset, I guess. Yeah, I'm actually surprised with that. I thought Muniz would be the favorite when when you said that uh, Park was, uh, you know, a big favorite. I was, I'm just surprised just by, just by based on the names of these guys. Um, you know, uh, here, it, let me let me throw in one, one thing. Like, I mean, Park's won four in a row, but Eric Anders, Joseph Holmes, Dennis Tolulian, Albert Duraev. Yeah, Muniz yeah. is a different look from all those guys. Like, absolutely. Talent level aside. The way Mooney's wins fights is different from what those guys do. Yeah, and level just and there's a level of competition. Yeah, yeah. like Park. Like, Park has tapped out his last three opponents. If he taps out Mooney's, I'm done with Mooney's. Oh, I totally agree. Yeah. <laughs> if, if he loses, uh, you know, I, depending on how I might not be done with him, but if he gets tapped out, yeah. Uh, Mooney's is he's a massive middleweight. I mean, it seems like a kind of a trend on this card, but I mean, he may he's been matched with. Uriah Hall, Brandon Allen, and Paul Craig, and he made all of them look small, which is crazy because all three of those are like some of the biggest uh, middleweights in in history. I mean, man, Paul Craig has been majority of his career at light heavyweight. Yeah, uh, he's he's a good athlete. I'm with you though. I don't know how I view him. You know, you talked about uh, Stephanie Edgar being inconsistent. Andre Muniz fits in that same category. I mean, he looked amazing against Uriah Hall and Jacare. But then, you know, he he definitely did not look the same way in in other fights. I mean, is you know he he is striking. I think he's a better striker than he gets credited for. Like he outstruck Uriah Hall, which um, was pretty impressive, and. Some of that has to do with Muniz, you know, going for takedowns, you know, and 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 Hall worried about that, that you know, but he also has, you know, he's got a good kicking game. He throws a lot of kicks. Uh, he does well to use his striking to close the distance. Uh, he's really good at using forward pressure to get his opponents back to the cage so he can, you know, make his entries. He has uh, beautiful inside trips. He's got a good penetration step. He's very strong at, at picking up his opponents and slamming them to the canvas he's obviously he's a, a great bjj practitioner but you have to ask the question and do we overrank his jujitsu and were we overranking because he broke the arm of the ghost of jacare Sousa, you know on his way out of the ufc uh obviously he's still a submission threat but his top game doesn't look like what we thought he was in his fights against paul craig and and, and brandon allen i mean Brandon swept him. Uh, he's gassed in both fights. He got stuck on bottom and couldn't get up on Paul Craig and got pounded out. Uh, I wonder if he sh- he'd be better if he just moved up to two hundred five. You know, with the you know you have a deeper gas tank and could that go a long ways? Uh, Jung Young Park. He's oh, wait, wait. yeah. Good. When you said that, Mooney's just tapped out Ivan Kudalaba. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, probably right. <laughs> like, like, no, seriously, like, on top of everything else you said, think of, like, the, the fight IQ and ground skills of most of the guys at 205. Yeah, now, I want, yeah. now, win or lose, I just want him to move yeah, up. Let, let's yeah. match make him right now. Yeah. I think of, uh, <laughs> I think of uh, Nikita Krylov. I think yeah. of uh, Johnny Walker. 
And um, hell, I mean, Ryan Span never, Ryan you know, Span. like most talented fighter who finds himself in the worst positions in every fight <laughs> at least once. Like, yeah, good point. Um, Jungian Park, he's he's a he's a pressure striker who just breaks people with his pressure. I mean, uh, he he gets in this like mid range and and backs people up, and you know he wants to be moving forward. He, yeah, he he will back straight up himself when he's been pressured back instead of like sidestepping. But if he can be the one moving forward and forcing his opponent on his back foot, uh, you know he likes to turn on the pocket. He attacks with combinations. He just touches and doesn't really waste his energy until there's an opening, and that's when he unloads with a little bit more power. Uh, he's good at picking up his opponent's timing. He rips the body, uh, hard calf kicks. He's really durable. I mean, he's going to eat a shot and and walk through his opponents. Regardless, even if Mooney's wins, Mooney's going to be in a war. Like, that I can guarantee. Like, like Park, even in a loss, he's going to give you a battle. Uh, very solid wrestler. I mean, he's got 14 takedowns in the UFC career, which is very impressive. And also just like an underrated grappler. I mean, he's got a good top game, good ground and pound, uh, good at secure position. Uh, his takedown defense, it's been inconsistent. It looked good in one fight and bad in another. But he's, be, due to his size and strength, he's hard to hold down. If you take him down, he's going to work back up. He's a submission threat himself. He has six subs on his own record. Three in a row coming into this fight. And you mentioned three in a row. So... Uh, I'm really torn on this. Uh, I swear Muniz is, is the better fighter, like you said. Uh, he's definitely the more technical striker. He's, he's better, you know, ground threat. E- even though, you know, uh, Park has three subs in a row, I still think Muniz is, you know. Tapping the, Joseph Holmes and Dennis Tululin, that's not even the different. ghost of Jacare. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's like um, Jacare's hair clippings on the floor of the barbershop. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, it's like subbing like Jack Ray's neighbor. <laughs> um, yeah. I just, I wonder if Muniz is a front runner. It, you know, we've seen that with guys that look amazing. And then when they get a little, little pushback, they don't react to, to, you know, hostility. <laughs> and he seems like a guy that will drown if he gets in the deep waters. And that exactly is what Park will do. I see Park loses the first round but presses the action, works his body, works him in the clinch, dirty boxes him, does all, all the things that's going to wear on you. And I think Muniz's cardio fails him, and Park takes over. I think Park gets a late late TKO. Give me Park by third. Like I think it would be similar to like Craig. like He's on top and he's landing shots. Give me Park by third round TKO. And for those watching the show, on this one, Keith is right and I am wrong. And it's I- funny. It's funny you say that because I was I thought I was like picking this like hot underdog pick and then you then you drop that you know that Park's a big favorite I was like oh Dude, damn even everyone even gave if, up on him even if this were six months ago like if it were Mooney's versus Paul Craig instead of or I'd say Mooney's against Park instead of Paul Craig back in July just Mooney's coming in off the Allen loss I think he still would have been a minus two hundred favorite over Park. People would have been like, oh, yeah, you know, Muniz is still a contender. Just, you know, he ran into Brendan Allen. Allen, yeah, you, you're mute. So, sorry, yeah, he had bad, you know, bad, you know, he got a loss, but everyone has losses like that. And he, he was actually doing well at Parsons. Like, he had a big yeah. run in there until he hit a freaking wall. And yeah. Brendan Allen's really good. Yep. Paul Craig? He's Paul Craig. He's Paul Craig. <laughs> yeah, but, but if Paul Craig is sitting on, on your chest, oh, elbowing yeah, you yeah. in the face, yeah. That's not a good look. And you're, dude, you're right in that 
if Park wins this, the end probably looks like that. So yeah, uh, th there's a reason that we only brag about how well we do when we unanimously pick an upset. On this one, go with Keith Meesman. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> we head next to the lightweight division where uh, the UFC told Kelvin Gastelum to stay in town, go get a haircut, hit a tanning salon or something, and uh, put on his Nazarat Hakparast uniform to take on Jamie Malarkey. Uh, Hakparast, the 28-year-old Moroccan by way of Germany now training out of Canada, is 15-5 and five overall. He's seven and four in the UFC. He's on a two fight win streak. Uh, that's the good news. The bad news is that those two wins are stretched out over uh, like a year and a half. He fought in September, taking a unanimous decision over Landon Quinones. Prior to that, he had not fought since last September where he took a unanimous decision over John McDessie. Uh, he'll look to make it three in a row and fight you know, twice in this calendar year against Malarkey, 29 year old Australian. 17 and six overall, five and four in the UFC. Uh, he is also coming in uh, off of a win over McDessie. He beat him at UFC 293 in September. Prior to that, he had fought back in June, getting knocked out in the second round by Mohamedjan Naimov. Odds? Somewhat surprisingly to me, normally I wait for Keith's reaction to these, but somewhat surprisingly to me, Hockpross is a big favorite here. He's minus 220, Malarkey plus 180. Uh, Keith, 155, as I never grow tired of saying, is fast-moving waters. It literally doesn't matter how many times you win if you don't win fast enough. I mean, think about how long it took Habib Nurmagomedov maybe the greatest lightweight of all time to make it to the title picture, even though mm -hmm. he never lost a fight. The reason was he didn't fight often enough. Nah. Yeah. He kept getting injured. He kept fighting one, you know, twice a year. And because of that, he took forever to get to the title picture. Like if yeah. it, it doesn't matter. You, I think my should, my should have to take a while. Yeah. And they were always able to slow roll him behind Habib. Sure. Uh, yeah. God, if, if Habib had moved up to 170, I mean, they're, they're, they might have two champs right now. I still want to see them two fight each other. Yeah. I, I do wonder what it looks like. Like, in fuck the honor. Like, like, fuck honor and all that sh yeah. shit. <laughs> anyway, that's how badly we, we want to talk about Hak uh, Paras versus Malarkey. I assume that right now, wherever he is, John McDessie has a headache. Uh, who you got in this one and how? I mean, I, I feel like we might have a fun boxing match ahead of us. Um, yeah, I mean, Jamie Malarkey in any fight is going to be fun. Um, were you the one who told me that you never saw Band of Brothers? Was that you? I never saw Band of Brothers, and you were really mad. Yeah, I'm still mad. Have you watched it yet? No. What the fuck, dude? <laughs> you, have I you got finished so many The Wire yet? No, I haven't finished. Dude, there's a million oh, episodes of The Wire. Oh, my God. I'm this a failure. Guy, this guy, he, that's because you probably, like, you got some, like, indie, like, CD and you're, you're listening to right now and trying to learn chords. <laughs> oh man, did you just say CD? We are going to get hammered in these comments. We are we are old as hell, man. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, I, I know. He said CD. I, I just said I should. I should said vinyl. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Here, two things. Well, vinyl is cool now. Vinyl is cool now. I don't even own a record player, even though I am in multiple bands that sell vinyl mm -hmm. to hipsters and. 
I waste my time playing video games. That's why I don't get to watch as much TV as I like. So I'm not, I'm not nearly as cool as, as you might think I am. My son is awesome at video games. He plays Fortnite. That is his fingers move like a mile a minute. I see him playing and he's like, he's sniping people every second. I'm like, what the hell? It's terrifying. He's incredible. He's incredible. How good he is. Uh, yeah. Wait till you have this. This is going to surprise you. I own, I own a record player, but that's not going to surprise you. I own two record players. Ooh. Um, one my niece's boyfriend gave me for like Christmas, and the other one, I I was at like a yard sale. It was like a really good deal, and I just bought it. And I'm like, yeah, I already have one, but like I'll give it to somebody or I'll forget sell it at a yard sale for five dollars more or something. And now I've did, I'm going to send you some vinyl. I have two. I have two. So. Well, I'm. I'm- I'm not going to send you two copies of each one. You can carry them from one room to the other. But yeah, wait, wait till you hear this. <laughs> <laughs> I, have, I have two record players. I have one record. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I, have Luke, oh. I have a Luke Combs uh, record, uh, my favorite country singer. Anyways, um, anyways, the reason why I said mentioned Band of Brothers is this character's name is one of the characters' name is Malarkey. And it's a, it's absolutely fantastic. It's 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 an absolute masterpiece of 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 television. And I've read the book. It's 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 great. Um, okay, Jamie Malarkey and uh, not right. Hawk Frost. Hawk Frost. Yeah. Let me. You, you mentioned Kelvin Gastelum. You think you guys show Brady off his back yet? <laughs> if, yeah, if, yeah, Gastelum's on the plane back, back to Arizona. Is it, if there was if there was like. No time limit, and they were going for like a Guinness World Record. Like, how long could Sean Brady? Like, do you think Kelvin Gaston was trying to get him off? You think he'd ever get him off yet? Like, would Sean Brady still be on his back? He'd have to how wait for Sean like, to like have to go to the bathroom he, or yeah. How eat. long could he last hanging on to Kelvin uh, Gaston? Like, I just picture him trying to you know fly back to to Arizona. It's like, sir, you're gonna have to put Sean Brady in the overhead compartment. You know, we're <laughs> still under the seat in front of you. You can't you can't have him on your back. I can't get him off. Hackbrass, <laughs> um, uh, he, he's he's a southpaw. He's a counter striker. He uses feints really well to draw out attacks. Uh, you know, but he, you know, he he's got some, he's got good output. I don't know why I'm struggling with my notes right now. Uh, fast hands. He's explosive. He really whips his punches. Uh, he attacks with combinations. Uh, he can be can be a little wild sometimes. He definitely has some plus power. Uh, he likes to get inside, and and and, and you, I saw some really nice uppercuts um, in the pocket. One thing he speaking of uppercuts that I don't like though, he'll try to close the distance with an uppercut, like what Junior Dos Santos used to always uh, try to do. Mm-hmm. Um, it, which which is is a powerful strike, but it's also a risk. Uh, my also issue is he tends to throw a combination and then just stop. Like he like he comes in, he he bursts in, he's like, oh, I'm gonna throw three punches, and almost. Like he, you know, he fights at the same pace and 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 just kind of like he says, "My I'm a three for three punch combination," and then I'm gonna step back. I'm gonna wait for him to react. Okay, now I'm gonna come forward with a four punch combination. All right, I'm gonna step back, react. Okay, now it's a two punch. Like he he doesn't flow. He doesn't have this, you know, start throwing and then something happens and I I land something. And he's de- de- tends to not have like this killer instinct. Yeah, you know, he's definitely not a finisher. Um, in that in that sense, uh, he also doesn't adjust his game plan in in mid 
fight, which is kind of fun, ironic that I was just changing the number of combination, but I just mean like what he's doing. Like he went against Bobby Green and just kept winging the same counter left that wasn't working. Uh, he hardly ever wrestles, though in credit, he did take, um, uh, was it? Oh, shoot. Was it, I'm sorry. I'm messing Can up. Quinones or McDessie? McDessie. He took McDessie yeah. down twice. And, and I, I just, I, I was going to say McDessie. Then I'm like, no, it was Malarkey who fought McDessie. So I was, I yeah. think I was mixing up my opponents. No. But they both fought McDessie recently. Uh, he has good takedown defense, but he, you know, it isn't perfect. He got taken down by Alex Munez, Marcin Held, uh, Dan Hooker had some success against him. But to his credit, he's, he's pretty good at getting back up. Uh, Jamie Malarkey, you know, I feel like this is a guy that we've broken down a lot of times, and, and nothing really changes. He, he's a minus athlete, but he's freaking tough as hell. And I know you said, like, you know, that's the cliche thing about him, but that's how you describe this guy. Yeah, he's not the most skilled, but he wins with output, constantly taking around and pushing his opponent on the back foot. Uh, I go back to, like, the Devontae Smith, where he just – that's a guy who was way more skilled than him, and he just broke him with volume. Um, he's, he's limited – like his limited athleticism will still only use a ceiling. Like he only can go so far. Like a guy like Jalen Turner's, you know, it's obviously going to always be trouble for him. Uh, he works behind a nice jab, constantly cutting angles and L step in. I, he's got way more power than he gets credited for. I mean, he, you know, he knocked out Devontae Smith. He knocked out Common Worthy. Uh, I like that he attacks the body. He's, he's not a strong wrestler, but he's smart enough to sneak in takedowns to win rounds. He's got pretty good entries. He chain wrestles together well. But the biggest thing is about him, he has, and, and, and maybe this is just going with like the countryman, but he has this like Jacob Malkoud way to him where it's like the entries and the technique is not the best, but he just has this unbreakable will to kind of get it there. Like he's more mentally strong. Uh, his top control has improved. He, he, you know, he looked good against uh, Prado on the top position. Uh, he will just work to get like to get it right down and, and then and keep him there. Uh, he has the cardio to go hard all 15 minutes. Um, but the big issue I'm worried about is his is his chin. I mean, he got knocked up by Naimov. He was hurt against John McDessie. I like I like Malarkey. I mean, I love Malarkey. Like, he's he's just my kind of guy. Like I love like the underdog kind of overachiever. Oh, well, dude, you compare him to Jacob Malcolm, but if he was American, he'd be right in the slot next to Darren Elkins, Nate Landwehr. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Different, different, different body type, but yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, the taller brother, taller, skinnier brother. If it was like a, if, if, if they were making like a cartoon, well, like, you know, like one, <laughs> like Darren Elkins got to be short and, and, and stocky, and then the other yeah. one's going to be tall. Yeah. They're like, they always, they always have to do that. Uh, yeah, he'd be perfect. Um, I'm just, I've always been worried about his style. Like I knew that there was a, like a shelf life to that. And like, how long would it last? It, it's like when I had this, I had this old geo prism that was just this freaking <laughs> great car. And they had the stick shift and it was like in the family forever. And then one day the engine blew, you know, that good dog that you love him, but, one day you gotta put him down, and, and and that's how I feel about Malarkey. Like, I just don't trust his chin anymore. I I think he makes it a fight. I think he has moments. I I think he'll make it all fifteen minutes, but I think Hawk Press will land the biggest shots hard enough to win the rounds. Give me Hawk Press by decision. Yeah, <clears throat> I I like the 
I, I, I like, I love the breakdown of, of both guys. And I, I think you see malarkey the same way I do because the chin is the only thing separating malarkey from being the exact kind of guy that you could still see being in the UFC 10 years from now at age 39 and you know, jumping up and still snaring the, the occasional, uh, win, like there's kind of a poor man's clay guida type just because he is so smart, so tough, maximizes his kind of limited physical gifts to such an extent. But yeah, the, the one thing that will prevent you from making it into that category is the chin and fighters with big power have hurt him and you know mcdessie for as kind of limited and on the tail end of his own career as he is he's, he's always been a pretty hard hitter naimov is, is a big hitter obviously jalen turner and hack while he's an imperfect fighter he throws good volume and he does hit hard and i'm with you it, it kind of breaks it kind of comes down to that even if he can't put malarkey out he will land the bigger shots. This could be one of those fights where the punch stats make it look like Malarkey is outlanding Hack Perez, but there's no question who won the rounds. Uh, I'm not picking the knockout here either, but I'm picking Hack Perez to do enough damage in a really fun fight to win at least two out of three rounds. Hack Perez by decision, and you know this one, a, a sneaky fight of the night contender. All right, we are back after Jamie Malarkey's owners just took him back outside back behind the corn crib and shot him, put him out of his misery. Sorry, old yeller. Uh, and we are back. Third fight from the top at UFC Vegas 83 is another men's flyweight matchup. This one between Sumu Darji and Alan Nascimento. Sumu Darji, 27-year-old from uh, geographically China, but Tibetan ethnically, 16-5 and five overall. He is 3-2 and two in the UFC. He... Lost his last time out, it's all the way back last July, got choked to sleep by Matt Schnell in the second round. Prior to that, he had been on a three-fight win streak, so he'll look to build back some of that momentum uh, against Nascimento. Nascimento, 32-year-old Brazilian, is 20-6 and six overall. He is 2-1 and one since joining the UFC out of the first season of The Ultimate Fighter Brazil. He's on a two-fight win streak. Uh, that's the good news. The bad news is that those two fights uh, represent him fighting once a year for the last two years. Uh, he fought most recently all the way back in January at UFC Fight Night, Strickland versus Imavov, where he tapped out, or sorry, choked out uh, Carlos Hernandez in the first round so he'll look to make it three in a row and uh, fight twice in the calendar year for the first time in his ufc run he is a comfortable favorite he's minus 300 uh mudarji plus 240. keith i, I mean alan nascimento i underestimate him underestimated him a bit when he came to the ufc he just seemed a little old to be making his debut, even though he had lots of regional experience. And his regional experience, primarily in Brazil, all of that and then his loss on the Contender Series Brazil, and then, you know, his brief appearance in uh, whichever uh, Ryzen tournament he was in, just made me think, yeah, he's going to, you know, win one, lose three, and flame out. He's not long for the division i've come around on that now it feels to me like he is a guy with 
top 15 skills who's at a great camp, especially a great camp for lighter weight fighters, but who doesn't fight often enough and is going to run out of time. Like, I, I feel like he's that guy now. And my only question is whether he has enough to get past Sumadarji, who is kind of a prodigious physical specimen who is still just 27 and has time to fix the holes in his That's game. Crazy. That's crazy. He's that young. Yeah, he's 27, and he's been out for over 18 months, I think. I, I mean, I think he was like 25 the last time he, he yeah. fought, and he's one of those guys – a lot of fighters, and you, you may notice this if you have follow, followed the UFC long enough, a lot of these Chinese fighters coming up on, on undercards, they have a ton of fights for how old they are, and it's because China's, I'm going to get killed for saying this, but a lot of China's uh, regional promotions like WLF and uh, you know JCK, they're like puppy mills. They have a super busy schedule with huge cards, and they're just smashing literally 17 18 19 year old fighters up against one another and just letting the cream rise it's very brutal and darwinian way to figure out who can fight and who can't and it's why you end up with a lot of chinese fighters debuting in the ufc and you're like wow this guy's 23 years old and his record is 22 and three and but then you have to watch the tape to figure out whether they can actually fight or not and even if they can they may have outlandish amounts of tread off the tires uh, from fighting so often. Sumodarji made it to the UFC pretty quickly and pretty intact. He should have tons of upside. Uh, he has a body type that is difficult to prepare for at 125. He's absolutely huge, massive reach, does use it well uh, to his advantage. Um, you know, lots of kicks, long punches. You know, we'll try like spinning kicks and stuff. When he's given room to work, uh, he's been pretty, I wouldn't say breathtaking, but at least very impressive on offense. But, you know, he went on that three-fight win streak. Andre Sukumtat and Malcolm Gordon are basically the, the lowest level UFC flyweights you can get matched up against. When he's run into guys that are not dazzled by his whirlwind offense and can take care of themselves on the ground, he's gotten run over on the ground. Lewis Smolka was, I mean, he was never super, super great. And by 2018, he was down on the downslope, but he tapped out. Sumadarji made it look easy. Matt Schnell made Sumadarji look like he didn't belong in the cage with him. But, and again, Matt Schnell is a top 10 talent when he's healthy. But Alain Nascimento is exactly the kind of guy that can expose that. If, if Nascimento is not suddenly old after the Hernandez fight, I mean, he's a guy that actually, you know, has good power. He himself is very big and um, like a physical brute, strong guy, pretty good at getting fights to the ground. Like, I, I don't call him a wrestler, but he's just a guy that's good at getting the fight to the ground. Um, and again, someone like Sumudarji, who is super tall, all legs, tons of kicks. I think Nascimento is going to be able to get him to the ground think he does that, softens him up with ground and pound and taps him out. I'm going to say it happens. And I'm going to say it happens in the first round because on top of everything else, Sumudarji is coming into this fight after a, a long layoff. If there's any kind of uh, rust, a guy as aggressive as Nascimento may just take it to him right off the bat and uh, and get have him on the ground and reeling before 
he's even like you know before he's even warmed up so give me nascimento by a dominant looking first round submission wow um man this is this is a good fight um i'm definitely intrigued by the winner of this fight based on you know nascimento's well-roundedness and, and sumajari's i mean obviously his, his the skills he had but also his his youth <laughs> you know um I, th- I think it's one of the best fights on the card um Sumajari, you know, Southpaw, really good striker, moves well, has this like Taekwondo style where he gets in and gets out and, you know, landing strikes, quick hands, crisp jab. Uh, his straight left is like a, a piston. I mean, he couldn't miss against Matchnell, uh, even though it didn't end well, but, you know, started well. He is good at beating his opponents to the point of attack. He's got plus power. He's not even in his like power ages yet. Uh, he smashed Malcolm Gordon, you know, knocked him out, showed his power in that. Really good kicking game. Kicks to all ears, the bottom. He, lo- he loves that Stephen Thompson hook kick. Uh, landed some nice elbows inside Match now when they were in the clinch. Good at framing and landing, you know, landing shots. Not a great wrestler, but he can hit a takedown or two. Some mean ground and pound on top. Uh, you got to worry about his submission defense, though. I mean, he's been subbed five times already including Snell in, in, in that fight. Uh, Nascimento, yeah, I like this guy too, man. Long, lengthy. He's a kickboxer, technically sound, clean one-twos down the pipe. Really good, like, tall man's power. Really good kicking game. Kicks everywhere. Strong clinch game. Good at framing and landing elbows. Really, really mean knees inside. Uh, as I said that, it kind of almost described both of them. They're very similar uh, other than their, their frames. Uh, he can wrestle, though. You mentioned it. He, he's, he's good at shooting it at his opponents. Uh, when He's good at shooting it at them when they try to close the distance on him. So he either wants to work from range outside with his long range of kicks, or when they try to close the distance, he's good at meeting that, that you know, they're timing it and, and driving through and taking them down. Uh, though I wouldn't, you know, he's he's not a wrestler in, in that sense, but he's he's pretty he's pretty crafty there. Uh, he's he's a strong grappler though. He uses his long limbs well, very flexible. He has 15 submission wins. Uh, he can get subs from every position. He's very active off his back. Keeps his hips constantly moving. Loves subs off his back. Easy to get in triangles. You know, with his long legs, he, he will go for leg locks, heel hooks. Uh, the one thing I don't like about him bottom is he doesn't really look for sweeps. As far as prediction, this is a really fantastic matchup. Uh, both guys are dangerous on the feet, but Nascimento is also dangerous on the ground. So give me the guy that has two avenues for victory instead of the guy that really only has one avenue for victory. Uh, add on top of that that Sumajari has, has been subbed a bunch of times in the past. And Nascimento is probably the most dangerous grappler he has faced. I say, I'm with you. I say Nascimento catches him. I say he does in the second round. Nascimento by his second round submission. That brings us to the co-main event of UFC Fight Night 233, a light heavyweight contest between Anthony Smith and Khalil Roundtree. Smith, the 35-year-old Nebraskan, is 37 and 18 overall. He is 12 and 8 across multiple stints in the UFC. He is uh, eight and five at light heavyweight, a run that saw him make it all the way to uh, a title shot against John Jones that did not go his way. He has alternated 
wins and losses since then looking great sometimes uh looking not so great other times but he is coming in off of a win he had a contentious split decision victory over ryan span at ufc fight night holloway versus korean zombie in august that snapped a two-fight losing streak for him against magomed ankalaev and johnny walker he'll look to make it two wins in a row against roundtree Roundtree, 33-year-old Las Vegas native, is 12-5 with one no contest overall. He is 8-5 with one no contest since joining the UFC out of Season 23 of The Ultimate Fighter. He is currently on a four-fight win streak, three of them by knockout. Most recently, he welcomed Chris Dawkins to the light heavyweight division in rude fashion, knocking him out in half a round at UFC Fight Night Luque versus Dos Anjos back in August. He'll look to make it five in a row and uh, maybe mint himself a late blooming contender in this division and he is favored to do so roundtree is minus 220 smith plus 180. i've we've talked about a couple fighters on this card that i am terrible at picking their fights uh smith I mean, the scouting report on Smith has not changed much since he kind of evolved into his final form in the UFC. Like once he moved up to 205, it's there. He's a offensively extremely potent fighter. He's a tall, lanky Muay Thai uh, style kickboxer with surprisingly good power in all eight points. I mean, you see the the tail of the tape on him, 6'4", 205. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah, he's, he's a huge light heavyweight. He's not. He used to be a welterweight. The guy's got two fights with Josh Neer, of all people. Uh, you know, he's he's filled out somewhat, but when you see him in the cage against John Jones, Ryan Spann, Johnny Walker, you're like, okay, Smith yeah. is a – he's a small, big, light heavyweight. And Phoenix, the heavyweight, heavyweight champion of the world, the small next to Johnny Walker. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> you know, like Smith, he's does not have the same type of frame. But he, you know, he has long arms and legs and uses that to his advantage. Uh, he's nasty in the, in the clinch. He is... Uh, for a guy that probably wouldn't describe himself as a grappler, he's a very dangerous submission threat on the ground. He... I mean, he's tapping people out off his back. He's nasty from top position when he ends up there, uh, you know, which isn't as often as you would think, just because by preference, if he's in top position, he'd rather stand back up. But uh, yeah, he's a good grappler, not a great wrestler. I mean, he, he never was. And as he's moved up into a division where he's just taking on bigger and bigger and stronger people, he, uh, you know, he tends to to be the the weaker defensive wrestler in most of his fights. What's changed? I mean, everything sort of came together for him when he finally stopped cutting outrageous amounts of weight. But the question now is durability. He's taken in his losses at two hundred five. He's taken some of the worst beatings in the history of high level MMA. Like his his loss to Glover Teixeira a couple of years ago was, you know, it was the beatdown of the year for that year. And it was, you know, one of, one of the worst I can think of in that high stakes of fight in, you know, in, in MMA history, even in victory, he's gotten hurt. Like the guy just has an incredible amount of tread off the tires. He is, you know, back when he was just another guy in strike force, he is the last guy I would have expected, well, to make it to a UFC title shot or even to still be fighting at a high level at this point. I would have assumed that he'd be taking really depressing fights back in Nebraska and Iowa 
and just you know cash in five thousand dollar checks but no instead as keith kind of pointed out during the intro yeah he's won one fight narrowly after losing two in a row but he might still be the guy who's closest to a title shot on this card just because you know he's popular he's exciting and he's been there before this this has so many ways like smith has so many proven ways to win this fight that match up with how khalil roundtree used to lose fights like when roundtree came to the ufc he was an incredibly he was incredibly raw i mean he came through uh tough 23 he was one of the least experienced guys in that house you know he's a former kickboxer who was even a late starter as a kickboxer he's just like i i'm pretty sure khalil roundtree was just a guy who played high school football got fat after high school started kickboxing to get in shape and realized oh wait a minute you know i drop a few pounds and all of a sudden i'm, I'm knocking all these dudes yeah. out <laughs> like i i don't like none of this is to take away from him like he's done incredible work and he's continued to improve under the brightest lights but he seems like a guy that almost just blundered into an uh an mma career and even there has not been satisfied to be a win one lose one pick up a bonus from time to time guy he is the guy that was the beginning for me of fighters using a camp in thailand as anything other than a vacation or an excuse to you know do a round of steroids away from usada he was the first guy that came back from you know i did my camp at tiger muay thai and all of a sudden was a better Muay Thai striker. He absolutely chewed up Eric Anders. Uh, you know, he used to lose, his his gas tank used to be iffy. Um, his defense was never as good as, as his offense. I mean, he's always been a monster hitter, tons of power in everything. We're talking about a guy that blew out Gokan Saki in like 90 seconds, but, you know, could be taken advantage of on the ground, even though he is built like an absolute tank. Uh, you know, l- lacking defensive wrestling from what you would expect. Just didn't didn't seem to have the footwork to keep his hips out of danger. And once people got a hold of him, just not not a great defensive wrestler. Uh, a lot of that stuff seems to have gone away. And he's been helped by the fact that his four-fight win streak has come all against other strikers. I mean, Modestus Bukowskis, Carl Roberson, Dustin Jacoby, Chris Dawkins. I mean, it might as well be like a bracket of like the Kumite, like the, the floor is lava. There's, you know, the, uh, Smith and Smith is someone who is a far more dangerous ground fighter than any of those four. And I'm, I mean, he might be a more dangerous ground fighter than anyone uh, Roundtree has fought since Paul Craig, if not period. But having said that, Smith is a guy that sometimes has trouble bringing the fight to the ground either because he just can't or just doesn't decide to. Smith is so tough and so full of guts that, you know, he's he's engaged in stand-up battles to his detriment at, at times. Roundtree is, I, I mean, even, these guys are surprisingly close in age. Like, Roundtree's going to turn 34 before, you know, Smith turns 36. And Smith just has so much more experience, so much more damage. And Roundtree still feels like he's adding new wrinkles to his game and refining, whereas Smith is kind of plateaued and getting by on toughness and just wiliness as his physical gifts start to recede. A lot of this hinges on the fact that I, 
I don't love Smith's reaction to leg kicks. He doesn't always check them. He would just prefer to try and counter versus Roundtree just having some of the nastiest leg kicks in that division. With as much knockout power as both these guys have or stuff like Smith's nasty knees and elbows inside, a lot of this might just come down to Roundtree hacking at Smith's front leg with uh, with kicks over and over again. I, I could see that being something that changes the course of this fight quickly. And that's why I favor Roundtree here. Um, Smith is as tough as they come, but if you can't stand, you can't stand. I, I see Roundtree probably having Smith compromised in the first round with low kicks. And I could see by the second round, Smith kind of limping and the commentators like wondering, you know, should they throw the towel? Should the ref bring the doctor in? And it's just impossible for that to happen because Smith is still coming forward, you know, trying to clinch where he can lean on Roundtree while launching his own offense or finally trying to decide to bring it to the ground and it's just too late. Uh, give me Roundtree by second round TKO here or maybe doctor stoppage after that round. But uh, a coming out party for Roundtree and his first legit top 10 win and one that kind of thrusts him into the outside of the title picture. Yeah, this is an intriguing matchup. Um... Man, I would have really lost <laughs> if we were doing the guess the uh, who's the favorite thing. Uh, not that not, not that I think you know Roundtree being the favorite. I'm just I I tend to naturally lean towards the higher ranks, bigger name guy. You yeah. know, I I just I'm I'm just surprised. Like two fights in a row that I'm just surprised. No, sometimes like I understand that the you know unranked guy who's on a roll. You know when things are. I'm just I was just surprised by that. Um Smith, you know, he's not a great athlete. He's never been a great athlete. He's true like over overachiever, but he's a true veteran. I mean, the guy's crafty, he's savvy, he's tough. Uh technically sound kickboxer with some with good output, crisp boxing. He, he attacks with combinations, he, a lot of variety in his, in his attacks. Not a huge puncher, you know, power punch I should say. You know, he's he's not a big cracker. Um, you know, he's more of a volume guy and, you know, or more of a, like a point guy, uh, but a lot of kicks, uh, team kicks are the best part of his game. He has some, some defensive issues though. Uh, and, and he's taking ungodly amount of damage. I mean, I, you know, some of the fights off the top of my head, I think, you know, Glover to share fight, the Johnny Walker fight, uh, the Ankalaya fight, the John Jones fight. I mean, these, I'm sure there's probably a couple other I'm not thinking dude, of, but dude, he beat Ryan Span, but Span Ryan Span him yeah. in the second round. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. So I mean, he he was thrashed, and and all these fights that we just named, and there's probably, and there's, and there's probably you know people listening to this right now are probably throwing names in the chat that we didn't think of. Yeah. Um, Alexander Rakic had so much success with the, kicking his legs out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like that he throws kicks in his combinations. I like that a lot. Um, it also helps him to get some takedowns. He will sneak in a takedown, but he's more of a grappler than a wrestler. But he's a pretty good grappler. Like he's solid. You know, he's a, he's submission threat. He has 15 subs on his record. A lot of it has to do with just uh, overall volume of matches he's had. But you know, he's he's a guy that he's you know he's not Damian Maya, but he's you know he can kind of work you down and, and grind you down and then and then catch a sub. You know, Roundtree. I feel like we know what we got with this guy, but we just have the best version of him. Mm-hmm. You know, and or the upgraded, or it, it feels he seems like that gadget you had, and you're like, man, how come this doesn't work? I wish they would fix this, and then like, 
they did. <laughs> and now the gadget is like pretty dope. And that's why I feel like Roundtree. Like he's he's very athletic. He's an explosive southpaw. He's he's light on his feet, fast hands, massive power. I mean, he throws some of the scariest whipping power shots I've ever seen. I mean, I, I love his straight left. I mean, it's absolutely deadly. Uh, he's he's very good at like lining guys up and, and landing those those shots. Uh, a mean kicking game. I mean, crushing kicks to the body. Uh, I mean, I, <laughs> I know this is such a long time ago, but. It, and I, I've like refused to take this out of my notes when it comes to Cleo Roundtree, but I'm going all the way back when he was on the Ultimate Fighter. That when he like jumped off the guy and kicked him in the gut while he was like on the ground is still one of the scariest things I've ever seen. <laughs> you know, uh, you mentioned calf kicks. He's got a good, you know, really hard calf kicks. Uh, the problem is his wrestling is non-existent. I mean, he's he, offensive wrestling. He, he just doesn't doesn't wrestle anybody. And historically, he's one of the worst defensive wrestlers ever. Though he's lately in shown some signs of takedown defense. I mean, against Chris Dawkins, Dawkins had the idea of like, hey, for once he had like a decent idea of I'm not going to stand and bang. Uh, but he showed some takedown defense and he was able to create space and, and land his shots. Now he's struggling on the bottom. If he can't get up, you know, Ion Katulaba, you know, smashed him with elbows from on top. So that's that's a, a position that Anthony Smith could get there and and and, and do work. Smith is the better overall fighter. He could easily close the distance, smash Roundtree on the on the ground, do one of those you you all forgot how you know how could I be the underdog kind of kind of situation. Um, but Khalil Roundtree is just so dynamic in one area of the game that he's always that threat against anybody. He really is. I mean, you put Khalil Roundtree against anybody in the division, he's got that shot to win. Mm-hmm. Like if Claire Rountree is a UFC champion one day, I will be surprised because the 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 road to the title is actually tougher than the title matchup. Yeah, you know, like if he somehow it's one of these perfect scenarios, he's on the card and the main event falls through the day, night before, and it's kind of one of these ally Quinta. Suddenly, he went from the prelims to the main event. He actually could win that fight. Yeah. Um. So, this is tough, man, because, like, my brain is saying, like, you're really going to take Cleo Roundtree. Like, you got to trust Cleo Roundtree. And I'm saying, you know what, hell with it. Like, I, I don't trust Smith's chin, and Roundtree can crack. I think I think Roundtree's finally going to have that big moment that, you know, he's been waiting for his whole career. I think he's going to get a big name, and I think he's going to get himself in the rankings. Give me Roundtree for a first-round knockout. With that, we come to the main event of UFC Fight Night 233, a men's bantamweight contest between Song Yudong and Chris Gutierrez. Song, the 26-year-old from China, is 27-1 with one no contest overall. He is 9-2-1 in the UFC. He won his last time out, knocked out Ricky Simone in the fifth round in the headliner of UFC on ESPN 45, Back in April, that allowed him to bounce back from uh, a rather bloody mauling at the hands of Corey Sandhagen last September in the headliner of UFC Fight Night 210. He will look to make it two in a row, uh, get back on track as a rising contender in the division at the expense of Gutierrez, who seems to have sort of come out of nowhere as a dark horse contender himself. 
32-year-old Dallas native fighting out of Denver is 25 and 2 overall. He is 8-2 and 1 in the UFC. He won his last time out. He fought back in October, taking a unanimous decision over Alatang Haley that allowed him to bounce back from his unanimous decision loss to Pedro Munoz back in April. Keith, who's the favorite? <laughs> so if I tell you the number, I think yeah, you'll be able to guess. All right, your favorite is minus 375. Oh, yeah, no way. No way. Are you you're, from, yeah, you're messing with me. There's no you're underdog. You're, Are you and, that, and, and that's a reasonable one. They're, they're minus 400 crazy. all over the place. That's your favorite crazy. is minus 375. Your underdog plus 325. All right, the favorite is song. You are correct. Song minus 375 at that's best. Crazy. I mean, I know he I, I know you get a little bit more shine when you're in the main event. You get a win. His last fight was the main event. He got a stoppage late. But Chris Gutierrez, I don't think very, he Very, very good. I don't think he should. He's, yeah. You know what? The last time I went off about how crazy it was, the guy got knocked out in like 30 seconds. So um, I just, like, I don't know if I, if I was setting a betting line for Chris Gutierrez against Sean O'Malley. And I know it's not the fair, different fighters, but I'm just taking the champion of the division. I don't think he'd be that big of an underdog in that fight. It's like, like Morab. I put I put him a big underdog against Morab. I put big pretty much anybody underdog against Morab. Uh, I'm really big. I'm really big at San Hagen, so I'd probably put him a pretty big underdog against San Hagen, but that's about it. <laughs> like, I, mean, I mean, there may be one more guy I'm not thinking of, but Sterling, maybe. Sterling. Wow. Yeah. I, song I mean, is good. I'm not dissing Song. Song's good. It's really good. I mean, Chris Gutierrez, he's 8-2-1 and one in the UFC. His losses, I mean, he lost to Honey Barcelos in his UFC debut, and yeah. that was in 2018 when Barcelos was still a top-10 talent who just didn't yeah, fight yeah. often enough. Yeah, throw, throw that one out. I mean, yeah. the then he had a draw against Cody Durden, and, yeah, you know, Durden is... Durden's but, good, though. Yeah, and then the Pedro Munoz decision loss was pretty mystifying because that's a bad one he, he just it seems like gutierrez never got out of first gear in that fight like and yeah. i i'm i don't know if he'd win if they rematched munoz is the kind of wily veteran that sure. you know even though he had lost i mean i think he was on like a one in five run at that time just you know it, it's not that surprising yeah i think song should be the favorite so i want to be clear sure. like if i was setting a line mm -hmm. but i was waiting for you to say like Minus negative one 50 one negative 160 yeah i mean a song he's he's younger he's probably a little bit bigger he's fought higher level competition sure like like yeah that's what i'm saying all the things yeah. are in favor of him he's coming off the main event you know yeah uh gutierrez has beaten but uh you know dana batkari and alatang Haley pretty easily so maybe he's just due to lose to a chinese fighter finally yeah. uh, those are good, like those are good wins they are especially the alatang Haley. that's a good win yeah, it's. I think Gutierrez gets underestimated again. One because he took a loss, a bad loss, yeah. right out the, off the bat. That immediately puts you in one bucket. Sure. And then, personality-wise, he's kind of nondescript. He's just a well-spoken sure. guy. But yeah. even sure. I, a couple of years ago, wasn't dead sure he was from Texas. It's like, it's like <laughs> I know he's American, but if they said he's from Chicago or California, like he's from Dallas, like. One, that's what you get for leaving Texas to train, Chris. But yeah, it, it almost seems like a, that fight should have been in like last week's card. 
Yeah. And especially especially considering you have all the fights you had last week. Like you could have threw fought and figure it out the main event this and, one. Hey, hey, Gutierrez spent more time on on you know on my screen last night than uh than like some of the main card fighters did because yeah, of course it was point. you know cancer week that's as well. Good. Uh but I mean like if good I mean being it's text you could have had Song and Gutierrez on, on I mean I know it's five rounds versus three rounds, but yeah, you know, put him in in, in in and I know this was supposed to be in Asia and those little things happened, but if you could have put Song after that happened, you could have moved Song and Gutierrez to that one and moved like I think Font and Figueredo. Yeah. Or yeah. what was the what was the co main event last night? It's so bad. It, it, was green, it was green versus uh, Jalen. Yeah, that's tough with Jalen trying to take it on short rest. But yeah, you could have fought and figure it out. Yeah. Uh, I mean, having said that, after all he's been through, and again, Song Yadong, this is going to be his 13th UFC fight. He is still just 26 years old, and he just turned 26. Yeah, like, crazy. like I, I think he turned 26 yesterday. Yeah, that's crazy. Like He is so young, and he's the rare kind of prospect that he's basically been at the same camp forever. Like he moved to team alpha male shortly after he arrived mm -hmm. in the UFC. He's been there forever. Has he performed up to what you expected? Has he underperformed? Were you not oh, that good. high on him? Um, if you're a backer of song, you know, you're not disappointed. I mean, he's, he fights in arguably the toughest division in MMA and he's beaten some really good guys and he's been in some, you know, even even the losses are not bad losses. Um, Dude, he has a win over Marlon Vera, who might be your next champ. And granted, yeah. it, was, it was outside the division where they both compete. But is there a betting line on that yet? On O'Malley versus? Uh, I'm sure, it has to be right. Yeah, O'Malley and here. I won't. Re I won't remember when we break down that fight. Who's the favorite? You know, what? I'm gonna find out. Because we're doing like a three-hour show and me, me knowing what the favorite of a fight like four months from now <laughs> matters so much. Uh, early lines, O'Malley's a two-to-one favorite. Oh, that, he, he, to, to a guy he lost to already. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and hasn't shown an ability to block uh, yeah. calf kicks. So, I don't know. I, I didn't shut up about lines. What do, what, what do I know? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, this fight, this is – you know what? Well, I do think it would have made more sense to have Gutierrez in Texas. Uh, I am glad that these guys are getting the shine. Like, they deserve a big fight. Uh, Song Yudong, I mean, he's had main events. It's good to see Gutierrez, who's a guy who's just been a guy who's just been putting the work in, getting better, beating better guys each time out. Uh, it's good for him, him to get, you know, a main event. Yeah. Uh, Song Yudong, he's, he's a high-volume striker, really, really good striker. Technically sound, his boxing is crisp. He's got fast hands, uh, very very fast hands. Like I think he's got some of the fastest hands of the division. Uh, very accurate, not a lot of tells. Good power, and you mentioned at twenty five, like he, yeah, you got the like man strength yet. Beautiful jab. I love that he follows with combinations. Uh, I for some reason I wrote really good power again. <laughs> I, I love his the kicks. power. The power is just that good, folks. Yeah, yeah. I asked Ricky Simone. <laughs> Uh, uh, really good kicks. He's got a fast high kick, mean calf kicks. He, he can wrestle. Uh, you know, not a great defensive wrestler. That's been issues before. But I mean, against Simone, Simone struggled to get him down. Um, yeah, I know he did take him down, but even when he did, he worked his way back up. He's a good overall grappler. He's got three subs. 
uh, he's got good cardio. I mean, his last fight, you're going back to the Simone fight, and 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 it's something, guys. I just want to mention, like, I take notes and I and I, I keep notes on fighters, but if you hear me stressing the last fight a lot, it's because it was the last fight I just watched to add to my notes and also to, um, it's the most relevant. Yeah, usually <laughs> you know, it's the most relevant. Yeah, yeah, usually no, no, not always, guys, but ninety nine percent that is the most relevant. So. Yeah. That's why uh, just if you hear me going back, oh, like against Ricky Simone, against Ricky Simone. Yeah, uh, yeah but he got a knock on the fifth round. So you got to like his cardio and, and then his power was still going, you know, I think it was like uh, one one or two minutes into the fifth round. Like he's, yeah. he's 22 minutes deep into a fight. Uh, Gutierrez, uh, Gutierrez is also a good striker. I mean, he flows really well. That was, that was one of my biggest notes from his last fight. It's just that hey, he just flows. Uh, he uses movements to get his opponents to either, you know, kind of guess where he's going to go or chase him and then kind of leave them out of position. Now, because of his movements, he can kind of be, be forced to fight off his back foot or get trapped. And, and that's something that happened with Pedro Munoz. But I, I agree with you. I like that you said he just didn't get out of gear. He didn't have comfortable. I bet you there's something else, something else was going on. He was because he looked really uh, bad. And, and he's maybe, maybe he said his dad was dying of cancer. Yeah, there you go. I, I mean, it's like good. seriously. Yeah, no, that's no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, like yeah, he, yeah. he wouldn't. I wasn't thinking about that, but, but yeah, I wasn't thinking about that. But yeah, <laughs> but what is a better point than that? Yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice job. Yeah, <laughs> not, not nice job. I'm saying your comment. Thinking yeah. about that, not, not obviously not. What happened is that, um, he's 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 got good volume. He's technically sound. He he's definitely more of a, a point fighter than like a thumper. Uh, he just touches and waits till there's opening, but but he, you know, and he's and like I said, he's he's not going to start you with one shot, um, unless you're Frankie he, Edgar. If yeah, but whatever. But that was but that, that was a that was a, a step in eagle, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like like like, like Edgar delivered most of the most of the yeah, impact Edgar himself, did yeah. himself. Uh, but he 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 uses feints really well to draw out the attack and and counter. He's got a crisp jab. I like that he works the body. Uh, he guesses his opponent's guessing. He's always attacking with different combinations, different areas, kicks here and body shot here, hook now, jab. Like, variety has really been a, been a big key to excess recently. Um, and then, obviously, the, the thing that stands out most is his amazing kicks. Uh, kicks to all the way to the body, especially the calf kicks. I mean, I go back to the, I always go back to that Vince Morales fight. He finished the fight against Vince Morales with leg kicks. Um Beautiful step in the, as you mentioned, against Frankie Edgar. Not much of an offensive wrestler and a, and a weaker defensive wrestler. I mean, go back to the you know one of his losses, Cody Durden. Cody Durden had a lot of success wrestling against him. And, oh no, that was that was a draw, wasn't it? It was, it was a draw. draw. Yeah, okay, so it wasn't a loss, but um, he did he he lost the opening round with Durden taking on and taking it back for like the entire round. Yeah. Uh, this is a this fight is really good. It's technical. It should be really close, <laughs> you know. And um, I think both guys are smart, intelligent fighters. I am going to go with Song, but the biggest difference is 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 I think he might be a little. He's a better overall boxer with his hand speed, and he hits harder. So I think both guys will have moments. I'm obviously Gutierrez. Wouldn't shock me if he just kicked out Song's legs, and, and won a you know behind a jab and and, and calf kicks, and it, and it's not the the most pleasing you know as a fight. Then if like Song wins, but I think both guys have the moments. I just think Song is gonna it's gonna be one of those ones like is it volume or is it damage? And and I like Song's volume enough 
to, to hang with Gutierrez and lands the bigger, harder shots and does more damage. Give me song by decision. Yeah, I I wish I had disagreement to spice things up here or even a whole ton of additional notes to kind of flesh it out. But I, I think you broke down the crux of the fight really well. Just all the variables here seem to favor song. Yeah, he's he is younger. Um yet has more five round experience. And he I mean, this is will be his third headlining appearance in a row. And he's actually been into the main event rounds in both of those last appearances. Uh it didn't go great for him against Sanhagen, but hey, that's experience. And then against yeah, how Simone, good is sorry to interrupt you. How good is Sanhagen? It let me ask you this question. Could Sanhagen be the best one thirty five pounder in the world right now? It's such a rock, paper, scissors thing there. Sure, I agree. But I could I could see him just looking shockingly good against hell, maybe O'Malley. Yeah. Uh, and, oh, and, and, I, and, and I would take him to beat O'Malley right now. Yeah. Well, well, there you go. Like, if not favor him, I would see him as a super live dog against O'Malley. And mm-hmm. more at the same time, I think uh, Aljamain Sterling or Marab Dwalishvili would just give. San Hagen fits like eight times out of ten. He's improved a lot on the on the on the ground, though. He's improved his defensive wrestling a lot. I I think if I was matching anybody against Rob, if I had to pick one guy in the division to beat him, I wouldn't feel confident picking anybody. No, but if I had to pick one, I'd probably go. San, I, I'm a big San Hagen guy. I think he's yeah. good. Yeah, I, I think San Hagen. Anyway, we get way off track. I apologize yeah. to interrupt you. Well, I just want I just want to stress your point. Yeah. Like, it's, even though he lost to Sanic, it's not a bad loss. It's yeah. freaking Corey Sanic. And Gutierrez, I mean, he seems to me like a guy who's going to do well in, five, in a five-round fight if it, get, if it comes to it. Uh, he, like, his cardio seems solid as a brutal leg kicker. That I mean, leg kicks are an investment in long-term damage you know, for most fighters who use them. So he seems like a guy who would excel in a longer fight, but I know that, that Song does. For that reason, I favor Song as well. Gutierrez, man, I think his defensive wrestling has improved. Like, I mean, certainly. You, you, you go back to the, well, the, the Durden fight. A minute into that fight, it looked like he was going to make quick work of Durden. He'd thrown like three leg kicks and Durden was already limping around. Then Durden hits a single, smashes him. And it's a 10-8 round by the end of it. That's why that's why it was a draw. Um, that's the kind of thing like Song could do. Um, yeah, just Song has more avenues to victory. None of them are going to be easy. I have the feeling we're going to have quite a war on our hands. But I'm with you. I, I favor Song here in... Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say he wins a decision. And he probably is the guy who has more left in the tank in the fourth and fifth rounds and, you know, is just pulling ahead and, and wins going away. That is it. The Sherdog Radio Network preview for UFC Fight Night 233, Song versus Gutierrez. I have been Ben Duffy. He has been Keith Schillen. If this is your first time watching or listening to one of our previews, thank you. We hope you enjoyed it. We do our best to bring uh, in-depth analysis, predictions and picks and plenty of uh, historic or, or humorous asides please do like subscribe yeah drop us a like it, it costs you nothing it makes us feel good about ourselves leave us a comment keith and i both man the comment section we would love to hear your take on these fights certainly if you have any bold picks or you think any of our picks are 
way off in left field, let us know because if you're right and we're wrong, we will give you, uh, we'll give you your flowers. Join us for the recap. Most importantly, we are live on the SureDog YouTube page about 10 minutes after the main event. We'll talk about all 12 of these fights in reverse order from the main event on down to that very first prelim, talking about what was good, what was bad, what was surprising, what was controversial. There's always something talking about what's next for some of the notable winners as well as losers and talking with you because the live chat is open that whole time. So we're taking your questions, your comments and your hot takes in real time. We have a growing community of friends that hang out with us after the fights and we would love for you to be part of it. Between now and then, thank you once again for listening. Enjoy the rest of your week and by all means, enjoy these fights.